The chat bots repeat after me capability made her vulnerable to humans, allowing Twitter users to affect her tweets. Her posts became offensive, racist, hateful. Duncan and both come correct. I, it's time for an intervention. I'm going to do it on the show. I think you are you are doing what a lot of horror fans are doing because they have been spoiled over the last couple of years, which is being unnecessarily bummed out by still receiving really good movies, just not receiving exceptional movies. I think that is you know you, you're you're gonna get to a stage where i think you're just gonna be like oh it's just not a great year when it is a great year it's just it happens to come off the back of a couple of years where there's been like exceptional standout horror movies i i i don't i don't want you to get to the stage where you you know you 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 are getting bummed at the fact that you've like I, I saw your morbid monday and i saw you like that you know i'm kind of just we're in march and we've just not seen that movie yet and i'm like yeah but you have seen some really good movies though so oh yeah i'm not i'm not denying that i i just i just want to get knocked out and and it's been yeah. a while and that's and there's that's plenty my... of time for it to happen sure, sure. Of t- like, this is like we're just entering we're like literally just entering the third month of the year so, I mean, there's still a whole hell of a lot of 2018 to go. So the fact that you haven't seen, you know, the movie that's bowled you over yet is not, you know, that's not to say that it isn't there. And I had never heard of Tigers Aren't Afraid. I don't talk about that. I hadn't heard of it before at all. And then I watched it and it fucking floored me. <laughs> so, I mean, that, you know, that movie, oh man, yeah. I'll say no more about it just now. But so, so they can come from left field. Remember the battery? You'd heard nothing about the battery, and then you sat down and watched that movie, and kapow! You know, yeah. you were like, "This is the fucking." So these things come from left field, and they they are seldom, they are seldom uh, movies that are hugely on the radar before they hit. Um, I mean, who knew that Get Out was gonna was gonna be as big as it was? I mean, the trailer looked alright. Uh, and it, you know, we're all like, yeah, Jordan Peele and Blumhouse, that could be quite interesting. And it wasn't until you saw the movie that you were like, this is fucking amazing. Sure. Uh, that yeah, one yeah, didn't yeah. come off like yeah. a, a whole lot of hest- uh, festival buzz or anything. That was just purely cinematic. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm just, I'm just concerned you're moving to the, the, the dark place. No, the I, I, place. I really don't, I don't think I am. Go there. I, I, I think I'm okay. Uh, yeah. because I've been having a great time with these movies. And and my disappointment is like, even though I've expressed that, it, it's not like I'm haunted by it. It's just like <laughs> it, it's more of a when I when I wrap up a movie like uh, Ravenous, for example, mm. where I'm like, man, that was so close to being excellent, and it yeah, but I, it, there there yeah. were a couple of things where it fell short for me, and that's the disappointment of like. Like all the movies I've been seeing have been like solid triples, and I, I'm yeah. looking for the home run. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. As long as, as long as you're still, as long as you're still digging what you're watching, and you're oh, not yeah. at the stage where, like, you know, and not every year is going to have a Get Out or a It Follows or a The Witch or and the every year shouldn't have a movie like that because when you just get them. Like every single year, your appreciation of them is slowly because you're just going to expect it. 
and you need you need years that temper it out. And what I like about this year is the sheer diversity of what I've seen, um, and the quality of them. I've seen a, a kind of possession movie, which I had heard nothing about, and then it appeared on Netflix, which was easily better than any of the Hollywood possession movies I've seen in the last five years. Uh-huh. I've, I've saw a crazy fucking, I saw that mum and dad, which by the way, on Friday gets a full cinematic release in the UK. Oh, right on. Okay. Let, let, that's, let that set in. That movie is getting a full cinematic release. I, you know, it's but I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's five an uncinematic film though. I mean, that, yeah, but five, yeah, but think about the, that's that's where we are now. See, two years ago, that movie would not be in my local cineplex, and it wouldn't be playing five shows a day. You know yeah, what I mean? It yeah. wouldn't happen. It wouldn't even with Nicolas Cage in it. It would not happen. But you know, it, horror almost is, especially with Nicolas Cage in it. Yeah, but horrors now, it's it's now seen as a bit of a cash cow more than it has been before. That in the UK they're like that. Yeah, punt it. Let's put it in the cinema. Let's see what money generates up. We can we can market easily. It's got Nicolas Cage. It looks crazy. It looks funny. Put it in the cinema. Um, so, but that movie was a ton of fun, over the top nonsense, and it was still a really good movie. Um, so, you know, just just off the bat, and, and Ravenous as a zombie movie. Um, if you take it, you, I can think of three zombie movies I've seen in the last what five years that I've actually thought were were really good movies. One being the battery, one being the train to Busan, and Ravenous. I thought it was like a really good movie. So, what I'm saying, like these are genres that are easily fucked up, like easily by directors or writers or actors or scripts. These are movies that are very easy to fuck up, um, and I've had three of them this year that have been really good movies. So that's how I'm excited. I'm, I'm starting to see the the standard of genres and horror which are usually, you know, like another zombie movie. Oh, I can't wait to check that out. You know what I mean? That's sort of, almost the eyes start to roll back and then you see them and the eyes start to roll forward straight away. So, you know, these are are genres that are easy to to make shitty movies of. And I think there's three just off the top of my head that I think are, are, are actually really good at what they're doing within the genres they're in. And yeah, they're not exceptional, but... Um, like I say, I, I mean, I, I think who would have thought that? I, I, I was thinking about this. The movies that have been exceptional to me are ones that don't necessarily play into specific genre stereotypes that you expect. Like The Witch for me, which I thought was a fucking phenomenal movie, um, for all intents and purposes, should not be as good as it, as good as it is. Because it's set in a time, pe- uh, a time period that people generally aren't interested in movies. Uh, it was shot using a dialect that most people didn't understand, um, and it's a, it's a proper slow burn horror movie. But you know, it was the it was the top of the class that year. It follows another example of a, a movie which is kind of off to the side. It doesn't, you know, it's certainly borrowing from other examples, but it's not It's not what you would sit there and read that script and say, well, this is going to be the horror movie of the year. Um, and the same with it uh, and Get Out. Get Out's exactly the same. Get Out to me, on, on paper, would not have been as good as you would have expected. Like, if I'd read the premise, you would have been like, ah, that sounds quite interesting. Then you see it on the screen and it all just works together. So... The, the ones that have been exceptional, the ones that have topped my list for the last couple of years have been the ones that 
don't necessarily follow a particular pattern or um, archetype in terms of the the, the horror subgenre they're in. Um, and I think that's what's made them exceptional. Obviously, the craft behind it and the acting and the scripts, they've been all brilliant. But I think it's more just that they're, they feel like almost versions of unique storytelling that I've just not seen before. Um, so what I like about that is it's forced everyone else. Like I saw fucking that Insidious 4 or whatever it was called, Shite with a Key. Um, <laughs> I think that's like, what that was it, Shite with a Key. Yeah, I'd like I saw that movie and it was just boring and it was generic and it was just it it, it it lit no fire in me at all. I watched Ravenous and I sat there and thought this is wonderfully bleak, beautifully shot. Loved the character. Actually, was invested in the characters, which is a novelty in zombie movies nowadays. I'm just like, oh, here we go. Um, but I liked all the characters. Like I, I can't remember the last time I watched a horror movie where I was like, even the ones that turned out to be like less than less than nice um i thought were great so that to me you're like at that point i'm like i'm 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 loving where things are going um and you know i can't i can't wait to see more like the standard is being raised uh the, the unfortunate byproduct of the standard is being raised is that you know it means that the ones that have to be exceptional have to be raised again they have to be higher than they have to come from left field. They have to be completely different than what you're expecting. And at the moment, I am not aware of anything upcoming over the next month or even two months that I think would qualify as that. You know, so I went and, like I say, the one that floored me was one that I'd never heard of before. That apparently is all the fucking buzz in the right horror circles, Stephen King's raving about it, Guillermo del Toro's raving about it, Neil Gaiman's raving about it, and the woman's literally sitting there at the Q&A saying, yeah, at the moment, I am fending off distributors because I want it to do its festival run through the summer. So I'm purposely telling, you know, p- pushing people back from it because I want it to do its festival run, be played in front of the audience that can then take it, word of mouth will spread out, and then it'll secure distribution for later on in the year. And I'm like, how refreshing does that sound? Because it's usually the other way around. It's usually it starts playing on the festival circuit, big distributor picks up and it's like, fuck the festivals, get in the cinemas. Um, so yeah, I just, oh, oh boy, wait till you see it. <laughs> I'm looking it's forward so to bad. it. And I, and I feel like in the in the spirit of this discussion, uh, we shall fucketh around not, Duncan. Oh, uh, I remember that from my favourite Shakespeare uh, yeah. play, that, that particular line, which is from Hamlet the Unfuckable. Uh, yeah, the, the sequel that, not a, it's not as beloved, but it, it's become something of a cult classic yeah. for Shakespeare heads like myself. Yeah, I, I particularly like it when when when, uh, when Hamlet says, have at it, doth cunt. Um, it's like one of my favourite lines. Um, yeah, you so bite yeah. your cock at me? Yeah. <laughs> it was rude even at the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Duncan. To be or not to be, yes, slag. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy, it's just it, it's the the language of romance, Duncan. Um, it is indeed gets me hot and bothered. 
Hey everyone. Oh. That's an extended intro to uh Duncan and Bo come correct slash Duncan and Bo go to the X Files. Where uh we have we have returned after a week off, but that ain't our fault, Duncan. No. We just we didn't have a new episode to talk about <laughs> on our normal recording day. So, and which was so bizarre. I yeah. actually messaged you and said I can't believe we're ahead of the show. This yeah, has never, right. yeah, it's never happened before. It's never, we've never been. We're always behind. <laughs> like we're we're never really on time. Uh, we're always behind and like in a position where I didn't even realize. So obviously, we the the show took two weeks off. We had taken a week off due to illness, and then came back, recorded our catch up episode, just kind of safe in the assumption that there would be another episode the week after. And I was all geared up on the Tuesday. I was like, yeah, like that. And then you were like, there's no episode to record. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. Let me, oh, there's no episode to yeah, record. Right. Fuck you, Bo. <laughs> well, that's my default and everything that you send me. I'm like, oh, what's that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure it is, Bo. Fucking dick. Uh, and then I, I started, like, Googled it. And no, you were you were 100% right, which made me feel angry. Because uh, I don't like it when you're 100% right. Um twenty five percent is tolerable and less. Anything above twenty five percent right and I am not happy. Um well, to various different degrees. <laughs> I don't think you have anything to worry about this episode, Duncan. <laughs> but yeah, we literally had nothing to do last week. So um I I, I took the time and I uh, had some well well needed rest uh and, and recorded and did quite a lot of editing for for the one of the more recent podcasts under the stairs episodes and yeah i i i, uh, I recouped and then i thought i'll sit down and watch the episode today you sent me a message in advance and i was like i really don't want to watch the episode now <laughs> i i like i feel bad about that i tried not to spoil you on anything here can, can we name, can we rename our show to Duncan and Bo leave the X Files? <laughs> Duncan and Bo bit a fond adieu to the X Files. Um, I mean, we'll get into it, but it's a show. Like my message to you was essentially, "Hey, I think it starts pretty good," and yeah. then I I you know dot dot dotted my way out of that. Yeah, th- this whole episode, Bo. Um, is basically the setup to a shite joke. <laughs> like it's, it's it's not it's not a funny joke at all, and that's I'm like, I'm sure it is. There are there are bits that are obviously clearly making statements about things, but ultimately it is the build up to the, the a punchline which is not funny, um, and as a result, the journey to that punchline angered me <laughs> like, you know, like after the fact i got really angry i finished watching it about 20 minutes before we started recording and i've been sitting listening to music for 20 minutes trying to calm myself down uh, like, i'm glad all right like, i had the same reaction so save it we mm-hmm. will we will compare oh. notes as to oh. which point in the episode because i have it in my notes the precise moment where I said, fuck you with the X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> and and it happened later than it should have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But at any rate, uh, we, we kind of started talking about this already. Because like mm. I said, there'll be a big front end on this before we actually introduce the show. Because the stuff we were talking about was interesting and you had to scold me. And let's 
you know. Um, yeah. That, just, that, it always, it's always good to start with, you know, <laughs> humiliation. I am I, just very much aware that I have a, a particular podcast friend and colleague, a mutual acquaintance, Andy Blockley, who started manifesting what you are manifesting right now. Oh, no, no. I've got three, it all. That's all yeah, going to be about, in there. Yeah, about three years ago. And that's my, my concern is that I've seen like very much like very much like the the, the, the scientist that's brought in who thinks he's already identified the symptoms of a deadly plague and no one will listen to him. That's kind of how I felt uh, at the start of this recording was I'm just, I'm just getting concerned. I have seen these symptoms before and I know where they lead ultimately to a person who thought that the void was the best horror movie of 2017. No, right. or, oh, because, fuck you, Duncan. Don't you ever accuse me of something like <laughs> purely, that again. Purely, Blockley thinks is the, is the best horror movie of 2017 purely because they used a lot of practical effects. Nothing else. That's his justification for it. So I'm just saying it started off with, you know, I've just not seen any really great horror. Like, that's how he starts. That's how he ends, Bo. You might end up that way too. No, no. I, I, <laughs> look, I feel good. No, no, no. I'm all right. <laughs> I want to come inside. Uh, no, I, 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 I do feel that you're right. That the standard of horror movies, uh, the bar has been raised. So even the stuff that I'm like, well, that didn't, that didn't go all the way home for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it still was a, you know, under the shirt, <laughs> over the bra. ain't nothing wrong with that (laughs) oh man all right well we'll get into it uh into the movies we've been watching i should tell you though i finished my 40 hours of next generation oh fuck yeah well done bo rans though yeah i i've seen well not all of star trek the next generation but I, i saw all of that list and i'll go back and fill in some gaps for sure Mm, uh, but yeah, nice. that was super fun. And then I then I started watching Deep Space Nine. Oh, which, wait till you get to that episode, Bo, that I told you about. I like, am. Oh, I'm like five episodes into the first season, but I I'm just watching this, you know, from jump. I'm not skipping around or nothing. So yeah, all right, you're going right through the whole thing. Oh yeah. Okay, I, I, well, nice. I was, there. I there is a list for the show. Yeah. But I watched the first two or three, and I was like, I think I kind of dig this. I think I'm just gonna <laughs> roll with it. It's surprisingly decent. There's there's a couple of there's a couple of well, there's at least one or two seasons which are not great, but they're not terrible because you're invested with the characters. Um, and then once the whole Dominion shit starts happening, that's when that show takes off, and right to the very end, it's fucking awesome. Like. <laughs> Like, there's a whole season with a war, and it's, like, just fucking great. And, yeah, that that show, I sometimes think people forget how dark it actually gets. Like, like really, 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 really dark um, in a kind of wonderful way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that you're going through that. That's, um, I really like the characters in that as well. I, I, I like, that to me is one where they took the, the idea of, we can have this that this crew with all these different personalities like next generation, but really start building on that. Um, and yeah, you get some really, really fun, 
Um, there's, some really, there's some really fun characters in there, whether it's, you know, Dr. Bashir or Garak, the Cardassian. I've just uh, only had a few episodes, or a couple of episodes now where he's been... He's featured. one of my favorite characters in it. Yeah, he's one of the best characters in it, and you're going to have a ball with him because he's playful, but he has a sinister past, or does he, Bo? I, yeah, I've really enjoyed it I, from from Jump. Uh, I thought um, maybe because I watched all the Next Generation stuff, the landing into the Deep Space Nine stuff where I was getting uh, some more information about like the Bajorans and oh, now yeah. they've got their home world and all that stuff. And I, I, I find the politics of it all really interesting. Yeah, the kind of politics that would have worked in something like The Phantom Menace if George Lucas gave a fuck. Right. <laughs> you know it, what it, I mean? It's, it's a shame watching this. Be, well, I feel I feel good about it because on, on the one hand, I've never seen this before, so it's cool to watch a show that I I really respond to and and I'm really enjoying and, and kind of discovering that for the first time, even though a lot of people love it. Yeah, uh, but the downside is you look at the state of like modern science fiction, and it's like, well, that's kind of a bummer. That's like way yeah. more intricate and character driven. Yeah. Like, I, I guess you have to go back to Ex Machina for something that feels as good as something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's the um, yeah. I think you're right. I, I would say Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, You're yeah right. but that You're was, right. you know, that it's like, that's almost like a given, though. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> like, sure. Blade, Blade Runner, yeah, the new Blade Runner is a good sci-fi movie. Who would have thought it? Dennis Villeneuve about the day. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it, like, you, but you're right. Ex Machina to me is, it's still not getting talked about enough. I don't know what it is about that movie that people, it just doesn't seem to get mentioned enough. Um, and I don't know if that's because, you know, it didn't get a huge release or it was really just critics that were talking about it and not that people saw it. But, yeah, you're all right. Like, there's there's a whole hell of a lot of sci-fi stuff that's coming out now that just feels like, you know, is this, is this the state of play? Is this how... Well, it's just action movies got? with sci-fi trappings. It's not real yeah. science fiction. Like, the new Star Trek movies are just sci-fi action movies. Yeah. And that's fine. It's just disappointing that the one, you know, when you think of Star Trek, it's it, it's their allegories about human nature played out in this future setting. Yes, and those new Star Trek films ain't that. You no, know? no, you you know you know that as soon as the Beastie Boys kick in in your trailer, <laughs> you know that I I thought the use of that when I saw the trailer, I hated it. And I yeah. thought the use of the song was actually better in the film. Yes, but I it, it, it oh, it made me cringe when I saw it. <laughs> and I and at that point, I hadn't seen a lot of Next Generation stuff. Like I'd seen all the movies, yeah. And I those were okay, but uh, I wasn't particularly invested in Star Trek. But even I was like, that ain't that don't look like Star Trek. <laughs> that ain't cool. Yeah, right. Like Beastie Boys, man. Like if you want to use it in the movie, great. That's it, it. It I know it plays into the first film and all that, but good God, it was just <laughs> good God, man. <laughs> good God, y'all. Uh, <laughs> but okay, so nope. en- enough of Star Trek chat because people 
I know they come here for for Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, but we we've got to get to the X Files eventually. And I, oh man, I got I got opinions about this episode. Uh, <laughs> but before we do that, we we like to talk about something good and bad that we have been watching of late. Uh, and Duncan, I, I obviously you kick it off. You just got back uh, from Fright Fest. We we've yep. chatted a little around the edges of some of these movies, but what what were the ones that really knocked you out? You don't have to do um, bad. You can just do good, or unless there was something real bad. Well, I'll I'll kick off with the the one that I thought was like the, the one that's laughably bad, uh, oh, which okay. would, which is a movie called uh, The Wanderers. Now I'm going to get the full name for this because um, it, it's got like like a sub name which is like ridiculously long for a movie that doesn't deserve it. Um, so the the movie was called Come on. Uh, the Wanderers, The Quest of the Demon Hunter. Right? I'm in. All right, let's go. Let's let's not get in. Uh, let's get out, Bo. Let's, let's get out of here. Um, so, yeah, the movie is, is directed by, I want to say it's like a, a Romanian or Transylvanian um, director. <laughs> Dr. Like, Acula. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've come to name, direct your film. His name's uh, not not far off it. Uh, Dragos Bagulia. <laughs> yes, it's me, Dragos Bagulia. That's his not name, right? related to Dracula in any way. <laughs> right, but wait till this. Oh, the movie stars Armand Asante is the main the main guy. Uh huh. I thought he was dead. <laughs> I genuinely thought he was dead. I didn't know he was still alive, and I he didn't know he was still acting. Cursed with eternal life. So he's the, but he's the he's the main hero of the movie. Oh, is but he's. I mean, I I I didn't think he was dead, but he's about a hundred and four. Yeah, well, yeah, he looks it. Um, so basically, the movie is the the frustrating thing about the movie is the first five minutes sets up the movie that I wanted to see and then it dismisses it and then does something completely different. So I can tell the first five minutes in the movie is Armand Asante drives up with his car um, up into the desert and finds two dug graves and is a bit confused and then another car comes in and another guy gets at his car and the two of them know each other and they have this conversation. Now... Armand Asante, kind of mum. He now sounds like Marlon Brando. He's that old. He now sounds like mumbling Marlon Brando. So I couldn't really make out much of anything he said in the movie. Um, and the other guy had a thick eth- ethnic accent as well. So they're talking and there's no subtitles, and I couldn't understand fucking what they were saying. But the gist was they're both like demon bounty hunters, and this is Armand uh, Armand Asante's favorite place to bury the bodies of the demons he captures and this guy's decided to dig a grave too because he's going to bury his one there and then we see them both kind of pop the trunks of their vehicles and what demons have got and I'm like this is like a really quirky it's kind of funny like kind of quirky story and then like literally this builds up and then they're like no this is not the movie you're watching like right after the credits no (laughs) the movie you're watching is about a vampire who's not a vampire who might be a demon who lives in a cursed area of Transylvania um, which is an ongoing joke that bounty hunters don't understand 
the names of places, they mishear them. So when he gets told it's Transylvania, he thinks he says Pennsylvania. And they oh. do this joke like twice, and I'm like, that is not funny. Like, and later on, it's like um, Austria, but he thinks he says Australia. And I'm just like, oh no. Um, and it's, it's real life. People relate. It, it's a vampire movie, but it's not a vampire movie. It's kind of like a demon movie that becomes an exorcist movie, but isn't that. Um, there are bits that are played for pure comedy. Uh, but then there are whole dramatic dialogues in the middle. It's tonally all over the place. Um, there is a bit in it which basically has, it's like a music video. It's like this demon walk around with fucking heavy rock music playing in the background. And it's all choreographed and she's swishing a bit. But I'm like, what the fucking fuck is this movie? And it, it sets up, like in the middle, it drops a plot line. Well, a plot reveal, which has no setup and is not explained but it's pretty huge to the story, and they're just like, nah, it's not interesting anymore. And yeah, it was it was bad. It was it was a bad movie. And this was the opening movie of the festival. And I started to get this sinking feeling that maybe maybe I was in for a rough time. Uh, so yeah, if you get the opportunity, do not watch The Wanderers, The Quest of the Demon Hunter. It's a bad fucking movie. I'm sure that Drago's Pagulia just like glamoured the the heads of Fright Fest or something. Look into my yeah, I, I, eyes. My film will it, open. It, it was its European premiere, um, and I kind of think that it shouldn't be anywhere. Um, like, it should just disappear. <laughs> it's like really, really, really bad movie. Just, yeah. you. I, I, I would love to hear your opinion after watching it, because it is, there is a litany of mistakes in this movie. All the way right it, through it. it. It sounds like the kind of movie I would watch just for the perverse curiosity of it. Yeah. If uh, you get the opportunity, sit down and watch it. It's not a good movie. It's really not a good movie. Um, I'll, I'll quickly jump through a couple that I thought are worth mentioning, and then I'll talk about the one the, the ones that I think are phenomenal. Um, so, Attack of the Bat Monster. Um, yeah, you're going to recommend it to me. Yeah, you're going to love that movie. You're going to love that movie, and it it's scary how similar. The story of it is like is likened to um, our, our, our buddy Winter Beast. Um, so it was a movie that was shot in the late nineties. Wasn't really finished. Lay in the shelf. Shot in sixteen millimeters. Lay in the shelf. Uh, was discovered by this guy who does restorations, who has now restored the movie. Is that for real though? I mean, is, no, that's or is for that real. That's the exactly the, of the story. Movie? Yeah, no, that's that's the story of the movie. So it was shot in like 1998, um, and this is only getting its release now. The world premiere was at Fright Fest, and it's uh, it's set. The movie is set in the 50s with a kind of Roger Corman esque director who is literally finishing his low budget sci fi horror movie uh, on location three days early, and decides that maybe they can shoot in the three days another movie. Um, but he doesn't have a script. He doesn't have. A, well, he has all his actors there, um, and he just wants to use the crew and just carry it over. And it's the, the 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 story that tells of the making of the movie Attack of the Bat Monster, and it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so it's so funny. You're gonna get such a kick out of this movie, Bo. You're just oh, you're just gonna wait. love it. You're yeah. just gonna love it. It's, it's, I was watching it and I was like, it's like. Winter Beast is an unintentional, amazing bad movie. 
this movie's intentional because like, they're playing into the fact that you know this is we're deliberately making a schlocky low budget movie about people that made schlocky schlocky low budget movies, but they've done it right. They've they've hit it spot on. The humor is spot on. Everything like the very 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 funny movie. So yeah, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. So that's that's that one. Um, Cold Skin was excellent. Really enjoyed that. So that's from the director of Frontiers, the French horror movie. Uh, uh, Xavier Jin. That's the very dude. Um, so yeah, this is his fish fucking movie, which came out the same year as Guillermo, as Guillermo del Toro's Oscar winning fish fucking movie. Um, Go on. So it's really, really good though. It's beautifully shot. Um, Ray Stevenson is the kind of quote unquote villain of the movie and he's fucking great. It's the best performance I've ever seen Ray Stevenson as an actor that I quite enjoy. Um, but he is amazing in this. And it's just, it's a story that it covers just like, it, it kind of highlights the worst aspects of humanity. Um, in, in a wonderful way. You, you, once again, it's another movie that I think, I think if you're looking for movies that are like really interesting, different, beautifully shot and all the rest, Cold Skin might be the movie to start your world. Cold Skin would be a, a movie that I'd be interested to hear your opinions on because I think you're really going to like it. Um, obviously, I saw Ravenous, which I, I really enjoyed and it was out on Netflix, which was weird. Um, the following day, the, the the big kind of takeaways for me of movies which I thought were like phenomenal um, Erementari aka The Devil and the Blacksmith which is um, produced and presented by Alex D'Iglesia the guy that's behind Witching and Bitching Elbar, Day of the Beast um, but the director himself I can't remember the director's name who actually made it it is fucking brilliant uh, uh, well, give me, uh, give me the back of the box. What's what's this uh, film about? So it's based. I think it's based on a Spanish fable um, about a, a a blacksmith who, like, the, it's set during the like one of the civil wars in Spain, in the Basque region um, of Spain. And basically, what you have is this town who, you know, that they're, they're kind of cursed, almost. Um, and the blacksmith that lives within the town is seen as being like, well, he lives just outside the town as maybe being evil or in league with Satan. Um, and then this guy mm-hmm. from the government shows up and he basically has heard that there may be buried treasure uh, in the area from one of the last civil war battles, like eight years before. And he believes the blacksmith got it. So he starts persuading the townspeople to go down and break into the break into the uh, blacksmith's area to get the gold. And then we very, very quickly realise that the blacksmith himself has made a deal with a demon um, and then reneged on his deal but captured the demon. Um, uh, It's got maybe the best representation and depiction of hell I've ever seen in a movie. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Like, I like really it when movies just, are bold enough to even try it. Yeah, you know? and this there's mostly shot CGI and the CGI is impeccable. Um it is wildly funny, the movie. and uh, in, in a way that a lot of uh Diaglesia movies can be very funny. Um but it's beautifully acted, wonderfully shot. The story is great. Um and yeah, it was it, to me. It was a pure joy to watch it. 
I, I thought it was a fucking excellent movie, and it was my, it was at the point that I saw this is the highlight of the festival for me. Um, it was preceded by a movie called Pie Wacket, which is about to get a, a kind of fairly bigger release, which is directed by the guy that did Back Country. So back background, back country, the back country. Movie. Uh, yeah, that's the one with uh, Piper Parabo, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's directed by him, and it's like is executively produced by the people behind The Witch and The Void. Um, Do and it was I an interesting. It was, it was a movie. mediocre horror movie, beautifully shot, but I didn't think it was a great horror movie. Other people in the cinema loved it. I was kind of lukewarm on it. Um, there was a movie called. Uh, Secret Santa, which is a low-budget kind of comedy horror Christmas movie, which is fucking hilarious. Um, and then Tigers Are Not Afraid. Um, come on. And that movie... Well, uh, there's a, there was another movie, which I'm not going to talk about here. I'll talk about offline with you, because, uh, yeah, they're, they're too complicated to get into. But Tigers Are Not Afraid, to me, was the movie of the festival. And I pretty much said to you that pending an act of god or like some hugely incredible movie this year which i'm hoping we get because i'm always looking for them a uh, tigers are not afraid will be my horror movie of the year i was floored i i thought it was fucking incredible um and it, it felt like a modern retelling of like a like you know how Guillermo del Toro does most of his movies are set around uh, the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So around that time period. So uh, you know, it's all they always involve kids, um, and you know, it's like the kids and you know, fantasy fairy tale and the darkness of like the grim fairy tale, etc. So imagine like like a kids kind of fairy tale story, but set in modern Mexico. You know, with the after effects of like the cartel wars. And like orphans that have to live on the street, and then mix in the fantasy element over the top of that, and incredible kid acting, wonderfully shot, amazing story, emotionally powerful. I mean, I even felt myself starting to mist up a little bit towards the end of the movie. Liam from Scotland, Liam openly told me he cried four times during the movie. Boz from the Little Pod of Horrors welled up at the end. Just phenomenal and this woman this is like her 10th movie the Ning movies before are all comedies it's her first genre movie <laughs> she's like fuck it alright all right, a kind of horror genre movie and it's phenomenal yeah I can't wait it's doing the festival run until June and then she reckoned distribution will be very very easy to acquire just because all the big names in horror are loving it uh, and she reckons it'll be out for uh, it'll be getting some sort of distribution and release this year later on in the year so keep your eyes peeled for it because i think it's phenomenal <laughs> so yeah if it if it drew you know human emotion from you mm. i am uh i'm excited to to see it for sure i just I, yeah i thought it was there was two scenes where like in particular you could have heard a fucking pin drop and she got a stand innovation from the the fright fest crowd um just well, yeah, everyone. I, I've I've yet to read someone that didn't like it uh, from the reviews that have come out. Everyone seems to be like that and Elementary are the the two movies of the festival, and I would totally agree with that. I thought both of them were fucking great. So yeah, on the uh, not to monopolize the full conversation, I have seen other bits and bobs. Um, 
you know, out with that. I'm currently watching the Netflix series on the Unabomber, which has been excellent. Yeah, how's that? Okay, okay, good. Really, really good. Get get on that one. Get on that one. Especially if you, you I mean, you lived through that, so um, you, you'll obviously. Not I mean, I never bit. got a package, but I was alive at the time. Yeah, but your yes. your country was in the grips of that. And I think eh. you were old enough to realize that. So yeah, but I mean, from you, but um, right, like I never felt, or like I didn't know anyone who was like, "Man, we might fucking get a Unibomb." <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a fascinating story at the time for sure. Yeah, the casting's really interesting as well in it because uh, Ted Kuklinski, the, the Unabomber, is played by Kuklinski. Is that what, what you said? What, is it? Is not Kuklinski? Is it? Not, it's not? Kaczynski. Is it Kaczynski? All right. Yeah, Ted Kaczynski. Kaczynski. There's another. There is a serial killer called Kuklinski, though. I think was that not the Iceman? Uh, that's a, well, that's an aside. Let's let's not go down. All that right, rabbit yeah. Hole. Let, let's yeah. don't go down the hitman rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't um, want to reveal too much. But he's played by Paul Bethany, who I think's a fucking great actor. Um, most notably known for well, I mean, you've you've seen Paul Bethany in that Legion movie, which I didn't like, but that um, movie we did with Malcolm McDowell, the gangster gangster number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also yeah. Vision in the Marvel films. That means nothing to me. <laughs> well, yes, for well, I'm sure he millions is. of other people. <laughs> <laughs> he would best be known by some of the most seen films ever made. Yeah, but probably. I'm sure he's CGI'd within an inch of his life. Doesn't look fucking anything like he is and probably has like something on his voice that makes him sound unlike Paul Bethany. And yeah. Well, awesome. it's actually uh, Anthony Hopkins playing Paul Bettany, playing Vision. That's how good Anthony Hopkins is. You come in here with your cheap shoes, um, but the the um, you knew it had to happen at least once. It has to happen. It toughens your nipples. Um, the yeah, so like it, it's really good though. It, it, like it, it's worth checking out, and the story I, I find fascinating anyway. Uh, but it you know, obviously focuses on the criminal profiler who cracked the the way to capture the Unabomber. So that in itself, it's, he's played by the actor that was, um, well, he, was he was in that Terminator movie that I didn't like with uh, Christian Bale. He played the the Terminator. <laughs> oh, is he one of those Edgertons? Yeah, whatever his name is. <laughs> one or another. There's he's a been in loads of, of movies. He's been in loads of movies, and obviously, he, he was in a lot of big movies for a while there, and then he kind of just drifted off. Well, that's where he's ended up. He's really good in it as well. So that's it's excellent worth a watch. And the last thing I want to say is my friend Dalmer, which I've I've now seen. So that's part of Glasgow International Film Festival. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Thought that was a really I'm, good movie. Um, I'm watching that tonight. We're talking about it on the uh, VD Clinic. So I just finished the graphic novel today. Ah, what our, our good buddy Darren Wilson sent me the graphic novel two years ago for Christmas, um, ahead of the movie being released because he knew it was going to be coming out at some point over the next year and a half. So he sent me the graphic novel, which I read thoroughly enjoyed, uh, and then I saw the movie, which I think is a very good adaptation of that. Um, and yeah, I thought the movie was really good. I, I thought it was. I, 
it, it me it's, it's weird because I got about maybe three quarters of the way through the movie and I'm like that oh, oh I feel really sorry for Jeffrey Jeffrey Dahmer in the back of my head I'm like killed 14 people killed 14 people Dahmer. right horrifying <laughs> murder poured yeah. acid into people's brains <laughs> yeah ate their flesh you know chopped their dicks off preserved them in a box burned the bodies in acid in tubs that's why they'd stop feeling sorry for him. I'm like, yeah, but his parents just didn't love him. Kill 14 people, Duncan. What are you doing? What are you fucking doing? Yeah. So, but yeah, but thought, the graphic novel really... is like that, too. What one is? The graphic novel is like that, too. Yeah, but that's, I mean, if you read into him, that's, you know that's where he came from. That was his life growing up. And, you know, but, you know, it doesn't excuse his crimes, which I was almost ready to do watching the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, no, Duncan. Um, there is another thing I saw, but I think you're going to mention it, um, which involves uh, a certain performer from the UK that had a Netflix special um, called The Oh, uh, that's actually not what I was going to talk about. <gasps> All right, well, I will shut the fuck up then. Shut the fuck up, uh, but uh, but if you want if you want to mention push, I did see that. I I thought it was really interesting. I I don't want to give too much away, I w- but I would encourage people to see it. Yeah, Darren uh, Brim's been a like he's been like a, a TV mainstay in the UK for at least fifteen years, maybe more. And he he's he, he describes himself as. Uh, a performer who uses um, a combination of hypnosis, uh, suggestion, um, magic, so like hand magic, um, and you know, like body language uh, to manipulate people. And he has had series upon series of shows that are hugely fascinating, where he manipulates people to do things. Just meeting them, he, he knows he knows who's susceptible to hypnosis. He he does like things that are very creepy. I've seen him live twice, um, and it blew my mind. Like, like my, I was just like, I don't know how he did that. He is Satan incarnate. Um, burn the witch, like literally, <laughs> right. like like incredible. Just like weird mind stuff that he's able to do. But he did like a series. He never, I think he never really took off in America. But he, he did a series where he went to America and debunked some of the, kind of like the Penn and Teller bullshit series, kind of debunked certain things, and one of them was psychics. I don't believe in psychics, right, at all. I think it's fucking a sham. Uh, I think it's totally fraudulent. And he very quickly went out there and proved uh, to my satisfaction that it is fraudulent, um, but then showed how very, very easy it is to do it. <laughs> like, like just how how you you can read someone's body language, how you can be so vague as to play into things to get details out and all the rest. And this particular show that's appeared on Netflix um, is immensely fascinating, and I I think it's great how it's all set up. And I thought the ending was genuinely surprising. The end results of what happens, uh, yeah, in terms yeah. of the ratio, is fucking scary. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. Uh, that that's why I don't want to get too deep into it because I want people to have that moment of discovery. Uh, mm-hmm. But there there are so many moments along the way where you 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 watch it and you like to believe. Oh, yeah. I would never do that. And then when the show takes the time to put the events in context, particularly the um, when in, uh, he has to give the speech. Oh. 
you know, and, and he says, well, think about this because if you decline, if you tell the truth in this scenario, mm-hmm. an, a charity gala grinds to a halt because yeah. of what you have just said. Yeah. And that it's, it's a path of least resistance kind of thing where it's easier to tell the lie. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's really fascinating. And we're, all, we're, all, I, we're all there. I work it out. I, I, I know that at my, in my work, I've been asked to, to sit in on a meeting just purely to be there under a false pretense. You know what I mean? We'll bring in, we'll bring in a, a couple of our developers that will sit here and listen in on this. You're experts in the field. I'm not a developer. I sit in that room to give the air of being a developer in a meeting and nod my head when my boss says something. Um, and if, you know, is that possible, Duncan? I go, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I don't know if it is. Um, and it's awkward. It's horrible. I hate doing it. Uh, but it happens, and it happens in all walks of life where people, it's, it's the jumps that, it, like, and you can see, uh, what I love about it is Darren Brown explains at each stage basically what they're doing and how it builds up and yeah before you know it you hear like i i liken it because i i think it's fascinating i think the reason it's probably end up netflix is a lot to do with the donald trump thing um i know we always link back to donald trump but i think it really is and it's how people find themselves in over their head very very quickly and some people are able to course correct and other people just continue sailing out of the storm um and yeah, there's a few people. <laughs> there's a few people in the White House that have unfortunately still sailing into the storm that I bet wished had fucking turned around the citizens' conscience. Oh yeah, you know, every night before bed, they're just <laughs> thinking like, "I'm gonna do it tomorrow. I'm gonna walk <laughs> right into that office. I'm gonna tell him to go fuck himself, and I'm gonna walk out of that door with my dignity still somewhat intact." Yeah. I'm gonna walk and in there and tell him it's pronounced China and not China. China, China, China. Uh, but I mean, you're right. I I, I think that's uh, that probably is accurate. Um, <laughs> so what have you seen, right? I'm going to shut up now because oh, okay. Well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Lisa Farm. Mm. Uh, am I pronouncing that correctly? Is it Lisa? Finn? I am Farm. So uh, my French is as good as my English. Well, which okay. Not very good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Uh, so, <laughs> son of a bitch, son of a bitch. What, what I really enjoyed about this film, I, I've got one big thing I loved about it and one thing that kept it from, from being a great film for me. Uh-huh. Uh, what I really liked about it was the mythology all around the edges of that movie. Yes. Without ever explicitly getting into what these things are and what's mm-hmm. happening. But there, there's a real sense of, oh, the world is just moving on. That the whatever these things are, that's the new population. Yeah. And there is a, a crude but real sort of civilization to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that there's a, 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 a rudimentary predatory intelligence. Yeah. So and, the, and there's a, the way I likened it in the new Teapots episode that dropped it is that, you know, there are shades of I Am Legend here. Yeah, a little a little bit of that uh, for sure. And and I think the very, like the uh, tag at the end of the movie, the post-credits tag on it, 
in reinforces that even more. Can I tell you a very funny story about that very quickly? Oh yes, please. Like, so no one knew there was an after credit sequence. So everyone was getting out of their seats. Um, cause it's that festival. So you get like 20 minutes between movies. So people are getting up to stretch their legs and all the rest. And I'm standing talking to Scott and Liam from uh, Scott and Liam versus evil. And, uh, that, that sequence starts to play and everyone like they're getting out their seats and all the rest. And they all stop and start looking at the screen and obviously zooming in. I, I don't want to give away what it is, but it starts zooming in on a particular aspect of it. And um, I said to Liam, I'm like that. I bet you this doesn't actually, you know, there's not going to be great, a, some grand reveal or anything. It's just going to like continue doing what it's doing. And uh, Scott made a, an amazing observation, <laughs> kind of pulled over and he's like that. Look around you just now. Doesn't everyone just look like the zombies in the movie? And that's exactly what it was like. Yeah, it was the auditorium. Everyone was fucking dead, still st- staring motionless at the screen, just like the zombies in the movie. And I thought, if that is the intention, if that was the intention of the movie maker, I want to buy that person a pint. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. pretty. Good. I mean, that's boy. I'll- I wanted, talk, a photo, talk about your... I wanted a picture. I really wish I'd had my camera because I wanted a picture of that because, uh, yeah, I got a kick out of that so much. Um, Yeah, but I, I, I thought that was really solid. I'll, I'll tell you my big complaint with the film is the Celine character. See, I didn't get that. I heard you talk about this very briefly on your Morbid Monday and yeah. um, I kind of disagree with you. So let your point I, out and I'll quickly retort. I, I feel like the movie traffics in subtlety for mm-hmm. most of the film and particularly at the big climax of of her character in the film i felt like it went a little over the top in a way that i would love in a, a gucci film <laughs> but in this movie felt like i don't maybe that's even medically accurate mm-hmm. it just feels too much in a movie that isn't about this you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. like it it took it, it almost like it, it sidestepped for a second and just wanted to be not goofy like Evil Dead, but to kind of gleefully have this character hack up some zombies for a minute. And and I'm on board with that, but it also felt like, well, this isn't really the tone we've ever had in the movie except for this scene. Uh, yeah, and, I- I, yeah, I, it does. It doesn't ruin the movie or anything. It's just one of those things where it's like I, I don't. That feels atonal. Yeah, uh, it's. I. I don't even. You know, dislike the scene itself. It just when I look at the movie as a whole, that's the thing that sticks out. That feels like you know which one of these things is not like the others. Um, but all that being said, I think I, I think there's so much going for that movie. Uh, in terms of the characters, like you said, they're they're characters you actually care about. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the the constable getting it in the belly uh, was that's that is genius. So satisfying, <laughs> so satisfying in that film. Uh, yeah, no, that movie's real smart about so much, and I think it, it, it's really interesting. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I don't feel the same way uh, about that particular scene. Um, I think. I think that character is set up in such a way throughout that movie that, you know, for her to go out in a blaze of glory 
if that is what she's going out with, uh, as opposed to being ripped apart. Um, that it kind of feels just she. Uh, she is such an angry character, like such oh, an sure. angry, such an angry character. To me, it did not seem out with the. Maybe it's just the way it's been pieced in the movie, but yeah, there's a lot of zombies running at her. She's got a giant machete. I don't mind seeing her chop up some zombies. I I, I don't like that. To me, it didn't feel. It, yeah, it's maybe a slightly more excessively violent than than the rest of the movie's overall tone. Um, but we're ramping up towards the end of the movie. Uh, the stakes are a bit higher, and I, for, for me, it felt we got that out of the way and then we go on to the next scene, which like I I I genuinely uh, I don't want to go into spoilers, uh, but the way the two characters particularly try to protect a younger character um was kind of heartbreaking. So I mean Yeah. So but that comes right off the back of that and I think you almost need that kind of like Custer's last stand, so to speak. So I see where sure. she's just going crazy, and then you see the after. Like it, you sit there watching, and you're like, "That is she going to wipe out all these zombies? Is you know, is this what we're going to? Is you know, because in The Walking Dead, that's what would happen. Um, you know, there'd be the fucking chick with the samurai sword would be chopping everyone's head off and everything. You know, and, and she fights. But then you see what happens, right? She can't sustain that, and then you see her viciously and painfully torn apart. Um, I loved that. I thought it was great. I loved her character. I thought her character, this idea of the complacent housewife, the the one that's diligently doing what her husband tells her, and you know, was more interested in, in looking pretty for her husband than you know, toughening herself up and being there for her family and all the the, the regrets that have manifested to make her such a strong-willed survivalist. Um, I thought was great. I you know, like I, every character, every single character, even the one that takes it in the gut. I just thought we're all wonderfully put on the screen, and I cannot think like out with Train to Busan, which has on some level almost cartoon esque portrayals of certain characters, but that fits in with the tone and the region of the movie. But the battery, I kept thinking the battery watching the movie, which is a movie which perfectly, yeah. perfectly encapsulates two personality types that are believable and watching um watching the the ravenous uh, I, I felt the same way i felt that i felt the same way watching that movie where i was like i'm invested i want to see all these characters survive i want to see any of them die um and yeah i, I just thought i was i think i gave it i think i may have gave it four, maybe four and a half out of five. It's not a five-star movie um, by any stretch of the imagination, but by God, when I think of how many zombie movies can't even get likable characters, um, and it not, not only nails that, it's fucking beautifully shot, bleak uh, in a way that only kind of French-speaking movies go. Um <laughs> Well, you know what I mean? You don't, don't that just waves uh-huh. are like there's something about and it's a Canadian movie, it's not a French movie. Um it's you know, it's all shot up in Quebec, but you know, that way where you watch a French speaking movie and if it's a horror movie, you know you're about to see some grim shit. Um 
and it did all. I thought I'd, I, there's, I, the only thing I agreed with you, which was a negative and which chopped it down for me, is I think the movie's just a little bit too long. That's my only gripe. I, I thought the rest of it was was brilliant, and like I hadn't even thought about the way you were. Like you said something in Morbid Mondays about this kind of the way they fetish, you know, there's a kind of fetishization. I don't even think that's the right word. Uh, or fetishism, that's probably a word, uh, for like material things in that movie. And this yeah. is almost like that's that's what they're building these towers for. Like when I watched the movie, I didn't get what the towers were f- at all. And I kind of hope that I didn't explain it. And the movie doesn't really explain it. Um, but I just thought, like, you know, it's just like, like a weird element that I'd, I'm totally behind because look at how beautiful it looks and how weird it is and all the rest. And then you you mentioned that in your review and I was like, oh yeah, I like Bo's version better. Uh, so I'm stealing that. Um, and it's like that idea of, it's almost tipping the hat and paying homage to, to Dawn of the Dead um, and why are the zombies at the mall? Because, you know, that's all they know. It's like, right. So I I, I love right, that. You know, all those things are just I, oh, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. So yeah, I'm glad you dug it, man. I'm re- I'm really glad you dug it. And if the only thing you're saying is negative aspects, is you think one scene feels slightly forced and it's maybe a bit too long. You know, I, I can live with that, Bo. It sounds like you dug sure. the rest of it. I absolutely did. Uh, and I'll tell you another movie I dug, Duncan. Ugh. Uh, a little film called uh, Veronica. Yep, me and you seem to like this movie a lot more than a lot of people. <laughs> what goes on in that pretty little head of yours? Uh, <laughs> Veronica is the latest film from one uh, Paco Plaza. Mm, my boy. Who, who uh, of course, directed, was one of the directors of Wreck. Um, did sleep tight as well, right? Oh, yeah. Well, th- you said you said that you thought when you did uh, when you were talking on Morbid Mondays. Um, uh, no, he didn't do sleep tight. It was other guy that did sleep tight. Uh, what's his name? Whammy uh, Balagero. Yeah, he's the guy that did sleep tight. Um, okay. Okay. So you like when you were talking about like you think that this is his best movie since like Wreck or his work on Wreck because he did Wreck one two and I want to say four. The Apocalypse I want to see it before. I can't remember if he did three or four, because obviously the two directors did worked as a team on one and two, and then they split up one did three and one did four. Uh, all right, we're going to turn to uh, the internet. But I, I, the short thing is, I totally agree with you when you said that basically uh, with you know his involvement with Rick one and two, you think that this is the next best movie he's done, and I think you're spot on with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Rick 3 Genesis is the one that he did. Right. And, yeah, and this uh, is his next feature film. He hasn't done one since then. Right. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I like part three. Kind of I like part three quite a bit, actually. Right, part three. Yeah, I do, too. I like it. I like it more than the last one, actually. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. But uh, I thought Veronica it was a very solid haunted house slash possession film Mm -hmm. that is kind of set apart becomes kind of a head and shoulders above uh most because most of the set piece scare scenes really work like that movie kind of creeped me out in a way that a lot of movies don't Mm -hmm. 
and also uh the blind nun character is fucking rad <laughs> yeah sister and death. that character sh- sister death she should be in that movie way more but i'm glad she's only in it a little bit but she makes that movie awesome yeah it makes you uh, wish that sister death was the character that's going to be in that nun horror movie that blumhouse is putting out oh god who could possibly care <laughs> Uh, she, she just walks around smoking a cigarette where blind eyes telling you you're fucking doomed. Right. Uh, run. Run as fast as you can, Veronica. But it won't be fast enough, will it? <laughs> she's so Meanwhile, fucking, I'm she's throwing so up. fucking metal. It's amazing. Uh, right. Just. <laughs> she's sitting there smoking a cigarette. Yeah, what are you? What are you doing? Dad? You're not supposed to smoke down here. You are doomed as well. <laughs> it's like once again, that's another movie that, like, out with that kind of tigers uh, are not afraid, which has, like, primarily it's it's a child cast who are all fucking great. Like, kid actors are notorious oh. difficult to work with. Um, and Man, all the kids that, are fucking brilliant in that movie. That little bastard, the one with the cross eyes? Yeah. He is fantastic in that film. He's brilliant. <laughs> They're yeah. all really great. And, and I think that's kind of what made me settle into it a bit more than I thought I was gonna. Like, because like, obviously if you... if you like, I, It was another one of these ones where Netflix literally drop news about it on the same day they dropped the movie and i'm loving netflix doing this now netflix don't give a fuck they're just like that you know hey oh, by the way this movie topped the the spanish um a uh, block uh you know uh billboard block uh box office uh for or like whatever yeah last year it did all this year and by the way uh you know it gets all these great reviews and all the rest did all this brilliant yeah i bet you really want to see it well here it's here like that's like no advanced trailers like how they do with some other things like like three four months out or whatever it's just like no there's a movie go and consume and like this this is like a, a business model which i i thoroughly enjoy because i literally find it a bit of because like something like a dread central literally post something that says netflix has dropped a new spanish horror movie out of the blue and i'm like that oh well i'm paco plaza you see right i'm in like i need no no more about that. That's me through the door. You have my attention. I will now watch that movie. And I sat and I watched it and it finished it. And I, I, I kind of thought to myself, Bo, why are the Conjuring movies shite? Man. Why, like, out with the Warrens, obviously. But but even then, the Warrens are portrayed in a certain way, in a kind of fake, phony way, etc. And all the God stuff that they, they, they try and ham-handedly flinging that movie this is a movie that deals with with god etc as well but why can they not get that right and this movie with vastly less budget with you know like unknown actors and actresses um nails it but not only nails it but makes it genuinely creepy as a movie that there's a two or three scenes in that that got under my skin greatly um I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. I have an answer for you, oh, Duncan. You have an, like, please tell me your answer, sir. It's because those Conjuring movies are a little bit, uh, I think the term is cowardly. 
and and have to wrap everything up in kind of a happy ending. I mean, yeah, there's going to be one last shot where a doll's going to turn its head or, I don't know, a fucking dog will float a lamp or something. <laughs> What's that movie, though? Yeah, where it's like, well, it's not all over, is it? <laughs> no. All right. Look at Meanwhile, look at Sir a lot. <laughs> right. Oh, is he haunted? And meanwhile, Paco Plaza don't give a fuck no. and is like, look, we're going to end this thing raw. We're going we're gonna to end is, and we're going to show you the the actual crime scene photographs because, by the way, which this, were this is a real terrifying. story. Terrifying. This is based on a real story. And look at this. And I watched it. And yeah, you're right. The, the, the credits start coming up on those pictures. And I realized my jaw had dropped. I was like... Oh, that's right. They said that because you're just used to hearing based on a true story, and you're like, "Yeah, sure, it is. Whatever. It's a horror movie. Cliche." <laughs> we watched the movie, and at the end of this one, I was like, "Oh my fucking god!" <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, whatever happened in that house, I don't, I don't personally believe it was supernatural. No, but shit, that is one fucked up looking crime scene. <laughs> yeah, burn it to the ground, bowl. That's why I say, take Torbett, like rest. <laughs> like our our pal Dr. Jacoby said back in the haunting, yep, burn it and salt the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as crazy? our good friend Dr. Jacoby said in Twin Peaks, shovel yourself out of the shit. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I I agree. I, I, that movie was really creepy. That scene where she's matching the pace of the thing, yeah. across the hall, is very cool. And yeah, it's. That, that movie is just fine. Uh, yeah, you know, haters gonna hate, 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 Duncan. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's once again it suffers from the fact that it gets that there's. Too, I think there's too much emphasis in social media being placed on um, the scores of Rotten Tomato. Um, you know, what I mean, it's like new horror movies just debuted on Netflix. You know, has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience say it's the most terrifying movie they've ever seen. And if people go in expecting all those things, I think that's unrealistic to expect all those things. And as a result, people then extremely grade a movie, which I think is unfair. Um, I think you just yeah, take it for right. what it is. And if it works, it works for you. If it doesn't work, well, why did it not work? Um, as opposed to saying, well, you know, it, did, it wasn't the scariest movie I've ever seen, so boo. I'm like, yeah, right. Right. The the very specific and singular sense of what frightens us yep. is not universal. Like, I, there, all you have to do is show me a picture of one of them uh, Australian bird spiders crawling around, mm-hmm. and it fucks with me at a primal level. You There's are aware something that you about it. should not be telling me any weaknesses. <laughs> You're probably right. I will use I that didn't, against you. I was talking to the audience, not really thinking, I am now just handing you ammunition. Yeah, I've just the, found the, that I can get one shipped to you pretty quick. The cerebral bump stock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a nice guy, but <laughs> so, I under yeah, I know you're not. I, I smell weakness is over. Um, so. Yeah, so uh, yeah, but I, I I thought Veronica was was terrific. I I hope 
more people seek it out. Mm. Uh, the I, everyone I've talked to who's saying it has come away at least uh, entertained by it. If not, like I'm, I'm always, I'll tell you what, Duncan. Here's my problem. Oh, here's if you want to get to the heart of things. Yes, I do. I'm always yeah. look. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm I'm always looking for a fix, Duncan. I'm always looking for that. I'm chasing that 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 horror dragon, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and movies don't scare me that often. Yeah. And when I see a movie like Veronica, where a couple of scenes, I'm like squirming a little bit in my chair, and I I start to realize that I'm gripping the edges a little bit. Uh, I, when that happens, that that makes me happy. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And and there were plenty of moments in Veronica that I felt that. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I I think um, like I say that the the negativity I've seen against the movie is the negative backlash to how other people have experienced the movie, as opposed to how someone is that the person viewing the movie has actually experienced the movie. Um, which I think yeah. I think that's just common. I think that's just commonplace now, um, specifically with horror movies. Um, our media in general is that people believe everything should be made for them. And if it's not, you know, exactly the way that they picture it being, it, it instantly starts to, it's, it's shit. There's no middle ground. Uh, it's, it's all polar extremes and stuff that I, I don't necessarily agree with. We've had this conversation a few times on here now. Um, and to me, it's like, I, I sat down and watched that movie and very much like yourself, I, I got sucked into the story thought the acting was really, really good. I thought it was shot very well. Um, and yeah, there was a couple of bits in it where I was like, this is unsettling, <laughs> you know, like, and yeah, if I'm thinking that when watching the movie, then it's, you know, very much like yourself as a, someone that's a bit more seasoned, um, who has seen a lot of shit that kind of made them a bit desensitized to horror. When you start seeing that sort of stuff, I get, I get a, I have to give it a tick because that's not an easy thing to do on me. And if that's doing that to me, then there's a chance that there's some newbie out there who doesn't really watch horror that is shitting their pants watching it. So, you know, that's yeah. a win-win <laughs> in my in And, my and I always get uh, a little bit of heat for not being the biggest fan of James Wan. Yes. I don't necessarily think you're... like. I know sometimes you get like... Uh, I think sometimes you're unfairly uh, put there because I, I I'm not the I'm not on the exact side that you are with your your general dislike of him, but I I do think that he's been riding the coattails of certain movies for quite a while, and people give him too much credit for other movies. So yeah, and well, but to your point about the Conjuring, I would if you were ask me what movie I want to watch right now i would way rather watch veronica than i would any of those conjuring movies i'm the same as you yeah i do it in a second and uh i i don't i i understand why a movie like this finds its way onto netflix as opposed to a theatrical release here in the states because you got to read the movie and nobody wants to do that yeah. uh few people can um <laughs> Google. Hey, that's w- right Fuck them all. Fuck them up, bro. I, uh, let's just burn it all down. Um, salt the earth. It's the official Russ Tamblin episode of uh, Duncan and Bo go to the X-Files. I'm fine with that. Um, 
Yeah, but uh, I, I yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think it's a little too easy to throw stones at a movie like this because it is one of those things of like surprise. Here's a good movie, and when people are like, "Well, it wasn't, it didn't hit my particular taste buds as delicious as some other people's, and therefore it must be shite." Yeah. Uh, is is a real dumb way to live your life. Like, just move on. Find the thing that you like. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's, the, that's but that's the that's that's the that's the kind of that's the almost the unfortunate byproduct of the popularity of the genre now is that you know there are these little geeky groups that exist in all all you know all genres of of media um that feel that everything needs to be made for them and if it's not then it's not great you know the 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 line that i heard more than last year that made me violently angry reading it was it's not a horror movie um and i hate that line because you know it's someone watched it and thought it was a horror movie and they're entitled to that opinion if you don't think it's a horror movie was it at least a good movie because that's not you can't dislike a movie because it's not a horror movie right that's fucking stupid like it's like literally the dumbest way to critique anything is you know i went to go and see a horror movie it's not a horror movie so it's shit no 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 no, no, no. take that back what was the movie like you know was it was it well shot was it well acted were you invested in the story did you like the characters um you know what was the score like all these things take those things tell me about that then tell me it's not a horror movie, but tell me about, you know, this is why I, like I've said recently, I, I, I feel the need to, to focus on things that I actually like about movies, first and foremost, even when I dislike a movie. And if I can't find anything in it, then, you know, it's a shit movie. But just because it doesn't fit comfortably in the package of it's a horror movie, it, you know, it's not enough to condemn a movie with the vitriol that people did. A movie like Mother... Or it comes at night, which is I've still I've still never seen it, um, and I will eventually get around to it. But the big concern was uh, you should yeah, it's was, good. The big concern was you know it was marketed as a horror movie. It's not a horror movie. Um, and well, like, I don't. But is it what still else a, you would call it? Yeah, is it still a good movie though? You know what I mean? I, I don't like yeah. that's not yeah. It's, it's a weird it's a weird time we live in, but it's fandom and like the more popular a genre gets, the more it's going to go down that road. Um, and we just have to have to accept it, or you know, or ignore it. One of the two. I try to be team horror, yeah, but not hashtag team horror. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty. You know, <laughs> that's amazing. I, uh, I I am a supporter of horror in all its forms, in all its guises, even if I don't like certain flavors yeah, or like other flavors more than others. I'm, I'm on the side of horror in general. Like, I personally wouldn't call The Shape of Water a horror movie. I would refer to it as more of a fantasy or even dark fantasy, maybe. Yeah. Um, Pan's but Labyrinth that being gets said, that a I, lot as well, though. There's a lot of people that would argue yeah. Pan's Labyrinth isn't a horror movie. I think it is, um, but I, I think that is more than Shape of Water, actually. Yeah. But uh, but that being said, I think The Shape of Water is a beautiful movie. I'm incredibly excited that it won Best Picture. Yes, and the fact that Del Toro on the stage of the Oscars accepting Best Picture called out genre and fantasy films. Yeah. And said, this is what, you know, we can make smart, good ones of these. Yeah. And 
that I mean, it's an exciting time to be alive, Duncan. Yeah, I think I think uh, I, 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 my, my my only like moving very briefly into to Oscar chat. I'm over the moon that he got his Oscar. I think he should have got that Oscar for Pan's Labyrinth. Um, yeah, and I think the Academy fucked up big time there. And I think on some level, I don't think it's the best movie. I thought the best movie, having now seen all the movies on that list, by the way. Um, for for best picture, to me the best picture by a country mile is three billboards. I thought you know that to me, and that's just my personal taste. Um, I thought that movie was just incredible. Um, but yeah, you're gonna sit there and say to me, do I want to see Del Toro on stage picking up an Oscar for for you know best picture or best director? Yes, that that is what I want to see because that man. It's weird, like, I got emails from Studio Canal, the the distributor, telling me, do I want to buy the Blu-ray of uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which was directed by Oscar-winning Guillermo del Del Toro? And I'm thinking to myself, I have two copies on Blu-ray of Pan's Labyrinth because I don't need that guy to win an Oscar to then retrospectively check out that awesome movie. Right, but but okay. So that it also alludes to the hashtag team horror problem. Like you said, as as horror gets bigger yep. and you start to get that shit, like people are naturally going to get protective, right? They're going to throw their arms around the thing they love and say, "No, no, this is mine, not yep. yours." And and that's the thing you have to resist. Yeah, you, yeah. you have to be able to say, "Yeah, do I want you know what?" It's, it Pan's Labyrinth. Fuck yes. And if it means that Del Toro winning. An Oscar for Shape of Water will attract people to go and check out, uh, you know, Devil's Backbone, um, Pan's Labyrinth, Kronos, the, the hard work he's done in building that craft to get him to that point. Or Crimson Peak, yeah, by all means. Blade Motherfucking 2, man. That Blade ain't no 2 slouch. is a good movie. The CGI does not hold up. I watched it last year. I don't the care. CGI that movie is rocks. cringy. Uh, but it's still a fucking fun movie. And that creature, the main design of the vampire in that one, fucking terrifying. <laughs> that thing yep. that opens its mouth and yeah, like oh absolutely terrifying. So yeah, that's a that's a good fucking movie. Um I'll go I'll go I'll go one step further. The Hellboy movies are about the only comic book movies I can say that I saw at the cinema and actually thoroughly enjoyed all the way through because they were fantasy movies. You know, fantastical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, and even even going one step further than that. I like Pacific Rim. <laughs> the Pacific Rim. Oh, good fucking movie! Man, a robot swings a giant boat, boat like a sword, and into a monster's fucking face. <laughs> and you tell me that's not a great movie? That is everything movies were made for. Yeah, it's so like look at. I don't think like I think he's like he's just a fucking great director who's just been plugging away and doing his stuff. And look at the variety of the stuff he's put out. And yeah, well played, Tom. Yeah. He's over the moon. He is the Willy Wonka of dark fantasy, yeah. of of just you know, you know, come with me, you know, because he's all gruff and and his house is just full of like here's this weird demon, but he also has a heart of gold. Yeah. And meanwhile, over here, look at this ghost kid's fucking caved in skull. That's pretty raw. And uh, meanwhile, over here, like this beautiful gothic Roger Corman esque oh, film. That movie, and movie. I, I get Crim- finer with age for me, even though it's only a couple it, of years old. I love that movie. 
Yes, I I totally agree. Crimson Peak is a movie that gets better and better the the more time goes by. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't mean to d- divert completely in Oscar talk there, but hey, GDT won. Uh, you know, best director and best picture. How do you how do you not talk about that? Yeah, Jordan Peele um, won best writer or best original screenplay. Yeah, I mean. Get Out was in my heart for Best Picture. That's what I really wanted to win. Yeah, I didn't uh, think but, it was going to get there. I didn't think it was going to get In fact, yeah. they even said, I think there was an article that came out just before saying that, uh, you know, the, the older members of the Academy judges weren't, you know, it was maybe just a bit too modern and a bit too hip for them. <laughs> like, yet they went for the movie about fish fucking. It's too so, ethnic. You know, like, so. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, he still got to stand on stage with an Oscar in his hand and, and cry to the world about get out, which is a movie I contend every, everyone who lives, uh, in a modern civilization should see. Agreed. I think it's a great film. Um, tell you what, Duncan, Uh this is sounding pretty smart. How about we jete into something real fucking stupid? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. This is. Yeah, I suppose we're going to have to. <laughs> At some point, Duncan, we have to talk about the goings-on of this episode of The X-Files entitled Rim 9 Spaghetti 93 Zixjus. Yeah, a dumb name for a dumb fucking episode. Bad Movies the world is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. We have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo. Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, all about Rim 9, Spidjiga, 93, Zixjiz. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We are, of course, talking about episode 7 of season 11 of The X-Files, an episode entitled Room 9 Spug uh, 93 Zixjes. Rolls off the tongue. The, yeah, it's catchy. Uh, it is directed by Glenn Morgan, who has done fine work on The X-Files before. Yep. Uh, I would just say maybe... Maybe not this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone, I think everyone knows what this season is and everyone is acting appropriately. 
Um, it's good to see a director come down to the level of the season as opposed to trying to elevate it. There's a real feed-up approach to this episode that, in some ways, I almost admire. Yeah, uh, particularly in the, it in, is, the, in, the, in the script writing dialogue room. Boy. <laughs> I, I, all right. We'll get into it. Uh it's so badly what <laughs> It is written by Kristen Cloak and Shannon Hamblin, uh, with additional uh work by Brad Fulmer and Benjamin Van Allen, who are staff writers. Uh it is an episode uh in which we begin with a little bit of a mini movie at at the beginning. Yes. And it references, doesn't uh, call it out by name, but there was uh, a few years ago a thing called Microsoft Tay. Mm -hmm. That was this, much like the beginning of the episode, uh, references uh, sort of an AI chatbot on Twitter. And the idea was that it learned how to have a conversation or at least emulate the tweets of normal people. Mm -hmm. But people figured out how to game it, and it became this horribly racist chatbot <laughs> that eventually Microsoft was like, we got to take that thing offline. <laughs> um, kill the feed, kill the feed. Right. Yeah, it was a real, like, this blew up in our face kind of way, because, as we all know, the internet is more YouTube comment section than it is anything else. I don't know what you mean. First post. <laughs> Firsties. Um, so, yeah, the internet is terrible. And <laughs> this episode is going to take uh, 42 minutes to tell you that. <laughs> so. Uh, so it's worth pointing out that <laughs> the title... 140 characters. <laughs> right. Just, you could have... You, you could have just said, hey, you know what's terrible? People on the internet, and everyone would have said, you know, I know. <laughs> and that's it. You didn't have to do all this. You didn't have to have the mini drone attack. Uh, oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> so... Worth mentioning that the title of the episode, Rim 9 Spiga 93 Zixches. <laughs> You're getting really good at that. Is, practice makes perfect, Duncan. It, it is a base 64 code for followers. Ah. Also, Ooh. the uh, title of the sushi bar where we open the show, Furowa, yep. is also Japanese for followers. Ah. Oh, very nice. Because nothing is subtle about this episode. <laughs> not one goddamn thing. Everywhere you look, it's trying to tell you how clever it is. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So we open on this sushi place that is uh, like if a clockwork orange took place in a sushi parlor. <laughs> where everything is white and sterile. And... They're ordering sushi on uh, these kind of built-in uh, tablet displays on the counter. Yes. Which is a real thing. You don't see it everywhere, but it's kind of cool. Yep. And uh, they order, like, Mulder is very... And no one's talking. That's the whole point of this, is that 
they're uh, Mulder and Scully are looking at their phones. They're ordering the food off of a tablet. The food is delivered uh, by you know just trays that come out of the the counter in front of them and you never see a human being preparing any of this or, or any of that. And Mulder, even though he's not speaking, is just very much like, well, I don't know how to work this goddamn thing. <laughs> and you know, Scully, <laughs> Scully has to order for him. <laughs> I told you we're taking that for a walk. Uh, <laughs> this whole episode is just Mulder like, what the, how'd this thing get broke up? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, the, the title of this episode, episode could just be Harumph. <laughs> the, title of, <laughs> the title of this episode is Wilford Brimley try to pronounce one of the decisions Rumors, rumors, it's, <laughs> it's easy, goddammit. Rim nine's about good ninety three sixes. Well for Brimley's the only man on the only man on the planet that orders his sushi well done. <laughs> Deep fried well done, put some ketchup on that plate. I wasn't ready for this so early. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so early. We've been doing this show for like an hour and a half. Um, so, as soon as... I, <laughs> oh, damn it. Uh, and, Which doesn't make any sense because so, Mulder's got a fucking smartphone and he's using that fine. So, of course, he knows how to use a fucking right. tablet. I Right. Uh, but none of the... Oh, Duncan... <laughs> Have you not been watching the show this season? Pass we don't piece. care. <laughs> Fox Mulder. <laughs> Pass the piece, goddammit. Alright, so, right, so they delivered the... Like Mulder is they not delivered the, consistent in any episode, and now we're in no. on a brand new episode where Mulder doesn't understand how things work. Right, he's just, at this point, he's just a grumpy old man. Look, why is everything a goddamn robot? And, and we also get this thing where, like, immediately after they order the food, there's a pop-up on uh, Scully's phone asking her to, like, rate the experience of placing the order and all that kind of shit. Yeah, follow them on Twitter. And, right. And we see, like, oh, there are surveillance cameras on them. And surprise, surprise, we live in a world where technology is just bleeding in all around us. Yeah. And that's where this episode begins. Yes. Ah, I had to take a drink of water. Brimley takes it out of you. Um, <laughs> takes it out of you. <laughs> that's. <laughs> Can I just say that you uh, Monday yesterday? Brimley brand. You actually did your Brimley. And your facial expressions of how you do, you do the voice of Wilford Brimley is exactly what I thought it would look like. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't so much as do an impression of Wilford Brimley's channel. Yeah, if, if ever you want to grow uh, the handlebar mustache, I think you'd, you'd say it. Oh, would that I could, Duncan. If I could get that kind of hair out of this patchy-ass lip. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, because, and, and this is the other thing that doesn't make sense, because while Mulder was, like, hammering at all the buttons, like, I don't know how technology works, goddammit, and, and Scully orders for him, he still gets the wrong thing. Yeah. Which is this big, like, monk fish kind of thing, like, this whole fish, like, Scully gets this very elegant looking, um... You know, plate of sushi, and then, you know, Mulder's got a big ugly fish on a plate. Yeah. And she takes a picture of it, because they'll, again, look at how technology is everywhere, everyone. Yeah, we all take photos um, of the food, or go on Instagram. Right, it's just... <laughs> Kids today, goddammit, am I right? <laughs> Walking around, snapping snapshots. <laughs> for Brimley's stand-up. Yeah, I... airplane food. God damn it! Um, Stand up comedy tour where he just talks about what's wrong with kids today and <laughs> technology. Yeah, Twitter. Have you seen this? God damn it! <laughs> All the beep boops and tweet twats. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny joke. One of them kids was staring down at his phone doing his. Tweeting and twittering, walked in front of my car, ran him down like a goddamn deer on a late night highway. I got ten parts, goddamn it! I sprayed his hair off the grill. Ha ha, goddamn it! Oh yeah, so yeah, so we, you know, Mulder comically poses beside the food and then decides he's going to complain, but there's no one to complain to Bo because there's no staff at the counters. This food's all been delivered without a person standing there because by the way this is the future and automation is everywhere the machines are taking over taking her yeah take the freaking take the jabs what <laughs> yeah i mean it's a real where are all the goddamn people god damn it <laughs> bunch of robots making my dinner i'll be goddamned. well yeah because mother gets up and goes back into the kitchen uh, area, or the preparation area, or whatever we're going to call it. When he opens the door, it's just a bunch of machines. There's a, one machine making the sushi. There's two little machines, which I'm sure used to have a gig um, in Star Wars, where they go, like, <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of like Guy Fieri 9000s. <laughs> Taking you all the way to Flavor Town, Bo, um, one bite at a time. Uh, and it's, yeah, so like, but all the robots stop what they're doing and it's like a scene from like one of those old westerns where the guy's playing the piano in the saloon and then the, guy, the, the stranger walks in and everything stops and everyone turns around to look at him and that's basically what happens they all stop and these red lights start displaying ominously um, and yeah, Mulderkin is like oh right shouldn't be here so he goes back out uh, and sits down right but why where did we get all the Johnny Fives for the kitchen like Robots are robots. They're not. They don't think like if you if you make robots that prepare your food. There's always there's going to be always they're one not human there Johnny because you need one human there just in case the robot breaks down. Well, and not only that. I mean, yes, that's stupid to begin with. Yep. But but then like if you were if you owned a sushi restaurant mm-hmm. and they were like, okay, you can have this robot sushi chef. That is going to, it's going to cost you $50,000, but it's going to take the place of a chef. It's going to pay for itself many times over. Or 
we have the advanced model, mm-hmm. the Guy Fieri 9000. It not only will do what this other stupid robot will do, but it also has kind of an attitude. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the, 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 and if someone were to come into the kitchen, it's going to give them kind of the robot version of the stink eye. Yeah, that's, and it's only $100,000 more. It's a common issue in the Fieri Flavorbot 5000, Bo. Um <laughs> It's a common issue. Uh, they, they, they have a lot. They're basically they're basically Ian Holmes' character from Alien. <laughs> you got the monkfish. You have my sympathies. <laughs> just a scene where they start going spinning round in a circle in the room. Just yeah. Just <laughs> they try and kill Mulder <laughs> by rolling up a newspaper and shoving it in his mouth. Um, uh, uh, oh, such a good movie, such a good yeah. movie. Yeah, now I want to watch Alien. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so the Mulder's like, oh no! So he starts backing out, uh, takes his food background, puts his plate down. But meanwhile, this is like that. I have delivered your food. Um, you know, rate your experience. Please pay. So Mulder's like, all right, we'll pay this. Clicks it. All the choices he has to pay, he selects card. Takes out his credit card. Inserts it into the the credit card slip beside him, which is built into the table. Uh, signs his name, and the machine asks if he wants to leave a tip. Now, this is a kind of throwaway scene, or is it? Is it the building blocks for an entire episode? We will see. <laughs> we will see if this small, <laughs> very stupid building block scene could be the linchpin of the whole fucking idea behind this episode. I know you're laughing just now thinking, surely not. We can find out. Um, so, of course, Mulder's not happy. He's not happy. This is not the food that he ordered. Um, so he says, no. And it's like, not getting a goddamn sin out of me, goddammit. I'm not tipping a robot. But we get all these, you know, kind of noises at play all the way through this, uh, like sad emoji. Um Mulder tries to take his card out, but guess what? Not giving them his card back. And then it hints, ag- nope. it hints again at paying, uh, you know, a, a bit of gratitude, you know, a, a little bit of the, the, the kind of tippage. Uh, and, you know, Mulder's like, no. So he starts doing what any angry Neanderthal will do when faced with a bit of technology they don't understand. Um, he starts banging his fists off the fucking table. Oh. I'll give you what for, goddammit. Brimley not like. Brimley right. smash. <laughs> yeah, he is. He does get a, a little Frankenstein's monster here. Uh, Robot's bad. So, of course, he hits it. And, of course, the computer voice is like that. Please do not hit the machine. It does it again. And then all fucking hell breaks loose. Um, they send a T-1000 back from the future. To wipe Fox <laughs> Man, I, I, here's what I've got in my notes when all this happens. Because, like, the, the doors start to lock yep. and, you know, we're going into full security mode. Mm-hmm. And in my notes, I actually say, if this turns into the X-Files version of Chopping Mall, 
now I'm on board. Yeah, I was kind of thinking. Yeah, I was, I was kind of thinking. This almost feels like Barry's not included, but with teeth. Um, you know, I, I, I can kind of get. I can kind of get behind an episode where the sushi killing robot tries to kill him. I, you know, I'm, I'm down with that shit. If that's what we we're going to get, but the X Files thinks it's smarter than that, bro. It's like that chopping ball <laughs> movie that you saw. That was dumb. You think it was fun. Yeah, it's fun, but it was dumb. We can, we can. We're not. <laughs> we're not just gonna make fun of Twitter, goddammit. What about Uber <laughs> yes. and self-driving cars? Like, let's, and what about drones, goddammit? Yeah, let, let's 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 make fun of Uber. Let's make fun of smart houses. Let's make fun of all this tech. Amazon deliveries being delivered by drones. Let's 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 go. Let's go all out. It's, this is we're all in on this one, Bo. We're all in. Modern technology, bad. Humans, good. People spend too much time looking at their phones instead of communicating at the dinner table. Let's just sling all this in the episode because we're so clever. We're so we're so witty. We're so we're we're so self righteous. Which which I want to welcome, making his guest appearance. Every season of the X Files has this, Bo. Our, our, our special guest on this episode is Smug Self-Righteousness. Welcome, Mr. Smug Self-Righteousness. <laughs> you are third billing in this episode behind Mulder and Scully. Funnily enough, you have more lines than Mulder and Scully in this episode. Um, commence. Yeah, it should be pointed out, it's still been wordless up to this point yeah, I, in the episode. trying to be witty. And once again, if this was the only... Like, had I not watched, like, two years ago, an episode of Inside Number 9, which is shot completely wordless, and it's really well-crafted and well-shot and put together, and it's a very fun, animated story, then maybe this would be something groundbreaking and clever and witty and smart, but it's it's not. It's not. I don't even, I don't, I don't even like the way it's shot. I don't like the way that Mulder and Scully like, mm. Oh, I get like yeah to an extent maybe when they're ordering dinner maybe they're not speaking to each other but as soon as that door locks and the fucking alarm goes off the two of them are talking to each other but no no yeah well what you were saying about this inside number nine episode is the greatest flaw of this episode is there are way smarter shows talking about this very same thing black mirror is the first one that sprung to mind Absolutely. You take any episode of Black Mirror and it deals with the subject matter in a much more uh, thoughtful way that it it doesn't it doesn't presume that just all technology is bad. It's all about the human application of technology and and taking some current technological trends to an illogical extreme. Yes. Whereas this feels like an old man on his lawn shaking his fist at the clouds as opposed to a you know a, an episode of black mirror about reality television where you know it deals with the idea of a uh, 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 you know fame as a sort of slavery yeah and does it in a very smart way and this episode is patting itself on the back for using a different language for the title yeah <laughs> And 
<laughs> Meanwhile, none of the characters' actions make any sense. What you're right. Why are they not talking to each other? And I thought, well, if it carries through the episode, if it has the balls, the fucking balls, the fucking balls. Uh, to do a completely silent episode of the X Files, I'm kind of interested in yeah. that. And like doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer one better, like one of the best episodes of that show that ever was, was an episode where there's very little dialogue. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. Do you think, do you and, think like Shannon Hamblin is actually a like really really old woman, and our nickname in the writing room is Shamblin Hamblin? We can only hope. <laughs> or or she uh, walks everywhere. Yeah. And then she'd be rambling, hambling. <laughs> or, 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 or she's Jimmy two times, so she's hambling, hambling. Getting the papers, getting the papers. Or she's a big fan of a particular actor in Twin Peaks. Oh. And she's tambling, hambling. <laughs> Shovel yourself out of the shit. <laughs> Bringing it back around, oh, man. The circle of the way. Um, so, yeah, but like, what you say, it's like, it's like, well, let's, you know, technology, look at what we're all slaves to the machine now, man. It's, it's this horrible, ham fisted way of trying to. And this episode really genuinely thinks it's intelligent, super witty, and very funny. And it's none right. of the above. It really isn't. It it doesn't know how close to chopping mall it yes. is, and it's all the worse for. Yeah, it, it should just embrace it. Like it should be a a, a sci fi B movie episode, exactly about technology trying to kill yeah. them. Which I mean, let's just say because we have to say it on every episode now. No one here concerned about super virus or kids or we anything. have three episodes left after this we have three episodes yeah. left yeah. to wrap this whole fucking thing up and we are this is this to me is a second episode in the season episode or maybe third this is not we should not be getting this as episode seven it feels weird that this is placed here and this is like clearly one that doesn't exist really within the X Files universe because there's no comeuppance at the end, and we'll get to that. But if you're two federal agents who have been threatened with and almost exterminated by machines, you are finding the manufacturers. This episode ends with the fucking feds breaking down the door of whoever developed this technology, slapping the irons on them and getting them in fucking jail or recruiting them as some sort of secret scientist to program war drones to drop bombs over Syria. You know what I mean? Not in this episode. Well, it doesn't it, end up in a fucking diner. Ugh. In a weird way, it's what we've wanted this show to yep. be, which is, which is a standalone yep. episode that ain't got nothing to do with nothing. Yep, it's too late. The the but the, yeah, but the problem is you've had too much business this season about all the super important apocalyptic stuff that's happening that oh by the way we'll get around to in the next couple of episodes. Yeah, my struggle part 4. So, uh, they're they're just going to cram it all in that one episode. Oh, uh, just fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> 
Whatever gets us home. <laughs> I thought you were gonna do like so, a, I thought you were gonna do like a did there. You're gonna like whatever. That's just your opinion, man. That, that's just like yeah, yeah your, your opinion, your man. opinion, man. Um. <laughs> all right, so they get out of this fucking hellhole of a sushi parlor. Yeah, but then they can't get and, back in, bro. Right. Yeah, he can't get his card, which is uh, fine. Whatever. You've you've almost been attacked by Ga- Guy Fieri bots. Yep. You're lucky to be alive. The Fieri flavor no. Which you can buy your own one and, by sending a very small payment to Dumboco. What do they need to send to get a Fieri flavor bot five thousand? Uh, they need to send in anything they find in a shoe. <laughs> Cannot be part of the shoe itself. And cannot have been placed there by oh. you. Oh. What happens if it's been worn Some by restrictions someone? do apply. Do we have to send that person as well? <laughs> I mean, if you got somebody you're looking to get rid of, well... <laughs> we've got a side business that handles those kind of kinds of transactions. Oh, yeah. To be ever, Bo. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, so the card's still in the machine. We sell them to that gun woman guy. <laughs> like, put a... Sell them to like some some warehouse out in the middle of nowhere where you just show up and buy people. Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> the card is still stuck in the machine, and that's going to once again set up for a thing at the end of the episode. Like this, this card's still stuck there, so still waiting to process said payment. Um, but yeah, right at this point, it's time to go home, Bo. Right, it's time to leave this horrible place. Except that you'll cut your losses and all the rest. And Scully's vehicle shows up for her. Right. Which she orders via her phone. And again, still nobody talking in this yep. episode. So no one's saying what the fuck so, happened in there. What was in that back room, Mulder? I mean, did you see when that door like almost crushed us? You know, what happened with the card? Why didn't it accept it? Why did I get sent this ugly fish? No. Because I'm not talking. No, no. Not, not worth talking about because we the, the script's got to be smart. <laughs> Uh, no, no reason to get chatty with our main characters, who are maddeningly not talking about the crazy scene unfolding yeah, around. Yeah, one them. could almost say that this feels very re- reminiscent of an X Files. Well, you know, something that both of them yeah. are invested in. <laughs> I, and I've got um, again. There are these moments in my notes throughout this episode where I start to turn corners. Yep. And at this point in the episode, I'm not totally. Uh, abandoned. No, no, no. Like I haven't given up on the episode yet, but it it's coming. <laughs> and so Scully orders the car on her phone, like orders a, an Uber or a Lyft or whatever. In this case, it's what whips yep. with a Z, uh, and it's a self driving car because again, we're so fucking smart on this uh, this episode. Oh look, technology! Look, it's a self driving car, yep. and. Uh, fuck and so she gets in and and here's where i thought you know this could be kind of good because the only voices you're hearing in the episode are the voices of the apps and the driverless car interface personality and that kind of thing i'm like okay well maybe that's where we're headed that the point of this episode is more about communication which it kind of is sort of but only at the end and most of the time it's about AI yep. and how garbage in, garbage out, but kind of, oh, fuck you. And <laughs> so, 
So the car is like, would you like to watch television? And then finally Scully starts talking. And I'm like, well, then why did we bother being quiet all that time? Like, we get it from the first five minutes. We don't have to go through the whole kitchen scene and then back out in the card again without talking because then it just seems like you're doing a thing. But if you're doing a thing, why end it there? Why not end it earlier? I just doesn't make sense. It drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, it's, it's it's someone coming up with a good idea, but not like not having the balls or not having the gumption or not having the the confidence to say this is actually a really cool idea. Let's let's pursue it further in the episode. It's like, well, yeah, it's a good thing we've done. To set this up, now we're just going to slip back into the lazy tropes that, you know, make an X-Files episode. You know, like a standard X-Files episode. Right. Which, I mean, I mean, Scully is, you know, she starts off, like, being polite to the machines. And very much like what we we saw in the story at the beginning of the episode, uh, she starts getting frustrated and mean and starts treating the machine poorly. Uh, no, don't speak, you know, do this, do that, you know, becomes very commanding and not not pleasant or polite or ears or graces because she's speaking to the machine. Um, and yeah, she's in this car and it's, I don't know, it's maybe these things exist. I don't know. The previous things I could believe exist. I know there are self-driving cars. I don't think they're self-driving driving taxis at the moment. I don't think so, and certainly not with, you know, fucking Fifth Element style <laughs> robot taxi drivers and whatnot. But like, more Johnny Fives. Why are you buying the Johnny Five? Yeah, this model? is what the, this is what kind of throws me. Like, because once again, I'm I'm down with the let's do technology and let's do the AI thing, and a lot of what they show in this episode is real tech that exists now that is being used now uh, in the capacities that they almost show them in. And how that could be twisted and made corrupted. I, I get that. But there's big jumps in like the, this self-driving vehicle thing and how it, it goes off the rails and how it starts doing what it's doing and all that. And I'm like that. Right, so this now feels like a future episode. But then it tries to grow back yeah. with, with, with things like Twitter and you know, like you know, deliveries from things like Amazon, etc. So it brings you back to that. And I'm like, so I don't know where we exist now. I don't know what's happening, and I, I don't think they know. I think they're just like, well, this is a concern for some people that there's going to be self-driving cars, so let's take that to an extreme. And Which I would get if the people were widely using them, but people are not widely using them because they're not really out there doing this yet. So it's it's frustrating for me because there's plenty of other things that are around just now that we could be doing. And you know, parodying or or highlighting or being satirical about in this episode, that this one just feels like this one feels like a stretch really early in the episode. Like the restaurant one, I, maybe to an extent the sushi bought, right? Maybe not, but oh, don't don't worry, Duncan. We're gonna get way dumber. Yeah, it's about, like you know what I mean. At, at that stage, we're made a bit of a jump, a jump that I can go with. We make a fucking huge jump really, really early on. And I just don't, I don't understand that because Mulder's journey back feels a bit more grounded in reality. But even that is super future AI stuff. Oh yeah, and built in his car. Where yeah, totally, which didn't mean right. 
where he's like, you know, play Prince's controversy, which is a great choice. Was, uh, like, see what he said that? I was like, no, we're fucking talking. You're winning me back, X-Files. Uh, right, and then it starts playing teach the children because we're so fucking clever everything's got to be right there on the nosy uh by crosby stills and nash which is again a fine song but i mean just why do we have to beat this dead horse why do we why do we have to treat the audience like a bunch of simps i don't know i don't know i I don't know. I mean, we 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 get it. We understand the premise of your your story is, hey, the intrusion of technology on our lives is like technology is ubiquitous. Given the header of the show, we know this is supposed to be about like what we're feeding to th- these machines. Yeah. But but this mo- I feel like this episode wants to have it both ways, where. The the fundamental flaw uh, that the AI sees in Mulder and Scully is the the tip, right? Yep. Well, you're just being a dick AI then, yep. because sometimes you just don't get a tip. Yep. And w- again, why are you paying for this super killer AI model? It's just, it, and like, if you're going to go over the top and be crazy with it, be kind of fun with it. Yeah. But this, it feels like it wants to be grounded in reality, like you were yep. saying, but none of it feels it, real it at all. Feel it real. all feels like an old man's version of the modern yes. world, as opposed to what the modern world looks like. It, it totally does. It feels like... it. it it feels like uh, this this episode is set up as for a for a groundbreaking science fiction show, which is what the X Files is. It feels like this has been written by someone. This feels like a script that was written for the first series. You know, it was maybe written in nineteen ninety two about what twenty eighteen might be, um, as opposed to yeah. being written by someone in twenty seventeen about you know, this time frame and the time frame that we exist and the way technology, you know, real fears and real concerns. Automation is a real concern um, about, you know, what what will the world look like in five years if things start to be all All these things are real concerns, which I get, but there's plenty of ammunition currently that you can use to highlight that and make fun of or, or, or paint it as a serious thing or whatever. There's plenty of that exists just now that when we start playing with future tech, in a way that doesn't make sense, um, that's when I start to it starts to lose me because I don't know what I fundamentally don't know what the tone of this episode is. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. I don't know if we're like it's Glenn Morgan. Glenn Morgan tends to do slightly more humorous episodes. Um, he's he's quite he's quite a witty guy. His involvement usually brings a degree of relaxment from me, and that we're in the hands of a good director of X-Files episodes, a good storyteller. Um, but I don't know what the, the tone is all over the place in this episode. It's funny at some points, but then it's kind of serious. And then there's, you know, there's there's a, a degree of peril and danger in this episode, which is never really rectified or... or um, it's not even that's not rectified, but there's no consequence to it. This episode has no consequences at all. Or even, uh, like... Uh, 
a full explanation of what it is that's going yeah, on. Yeah, with the dumb joke, which the of, episode, uh, like I said earlier on, is the, is the right. cornerstone oh, of the episode. So... It's... All right, you're... right yeah, okay. so Scully's let's in the car. Keep, let's yeah. keep pushing. Yeah, and, and it's going faster and faster, and she's starting to freak out, and she can't get anyone on, on her cell phone. And then you see the happy car face uh, get some shots to make it look more sinister. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Mulder's in his car. Like, why, why are you playing Cosby Stills and Nash, goddammit? I want to hear Prince. And the GPS is like, you know, I found a better route. And he's like, fine, goddammit, just play Prince. <laughs> and then he realizes that the GPS has steered him back to the sushi restaurant. And he gets another pop-up. Uh, asking him to tip. Yes. And that's the point where I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, I was the same. I th- think I see where this is headed. <laughs> yeah, and really. please Seven don't. minutes into the episode, I think I see where this is heading. Right. Don't do have, this, X-Files. We have 35 minutes left. <laughs> yeah, we got a long way to go. And if this is what I'm waiting for... Yeah. I might be angry about it. <laughs> let's I was let's like, see how it goes. I was like, I'm certainly going to be angry at this. Uh, I, had, <laughs> I had a bit of inside knowledge because inside the training here and that bow had warned me it wasn't a good episode. So as soon as I thought I knew where this was going, I instantly got rage face. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, don't you fucking dare. Don't you dare. And of course, bows like that. The episode opens strong, kinda. Um, and I was like, "That what? What opening was he talking about? Is he talking about the Twitter thing from the you know the pre credits, or is he talking about the scene in the sushi bar? Um, what opening are we talking about here, Bo? Uh, yeah, I I, I, th- I think the idea of the silent scene. If you only did it for that scene, it would make the point, and it would be kind of nice. Yeah. Or set the whole thing just like chopping mall. Set the whole thing in that sushi bar. Yeah, because all right. So when Mulder pulls back up to the sushi place, the Guy Fieri bots yep. are staring at him all red eyed out the window. Which again, who on earth is buying these robots? The, the sushi robots that can come out of the kitchen to stare at customers. Yep, it's just stupid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it drove me so crazy. <laughs> I just I like it's almost as like it's almost like it's it's like it's stealing the premise of maximum overdrive, but just has none of the cocaine yeah right it's like chris carter came at the beginning and said you know for years people have been making episodes off my scripts but i thought if someone wants to do it right you gotta do it yourself (laughs) like i'm gonna bore the hell out of you I do have that in my notes, though, about, like, this is maximum overdrive. It's the point where we'll get to it in a second, but there's a point where Scully gets attacked by a refrigerator. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, anyone who might dare have the sheer balls 
to say that the X-Files has ever been better than Maximum Overdrive <laughs> can now get off their high fucking horse. Because <laughs> Maximum Overdrive is 3,000% more watchable than this episode. Oh, God, yes. God, yes. Because Maximum Overdrive steers into the crazy. Like, 100% yeah. steers into the madness. Uh, this episode tries to be clever with the madness and guess what oh madness is not clever it's just fishtailing from goofy fish yeah to you know the oh look the self-driving car we, we could all be killed one day and yeah. <laughs> oh it's just like all you right so it, it takes you where it wants to take you not where you want to go right what is why is any of this happening <laughs> all right and and we never get an answer to it, no, so don't do. worry, why? listeners. Mulder didn't tip. And but somehow, why those, does it care? Somehow, why does the thing care? Somehow, because Mulder didn't tip, money that that robot's never going to see, because guess what? That robot's not getting paid. You know what I mean? That money's going to the owner of the shop, but let's, let's, let's excuse that for a second. That glaring fucking plot hole... It's just like right in the middle of this fucking episode. But we have to spiral this out further because these sushi bots must be connected to some sort of master AI bow, which makes no fucking sense, which is also connected right. to the vehicle they're driving, the houses they're in, the drones that deliver their... You know, it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. No sense. Right. That's not how artificial and intelligence works, X-Files. Don't know if you know that. Right, uh, they don't all talk to each other like it's just stupid. It's just it's somebody who heard the words artificial intelligence put together in that order and was yeah. like, "I think I know what that is," and then wrote a script. Yeah, the the, the sushi robot not getting tipped is enough to piss off that one, but the the Uber vehicle or the Wiz vehicle or whatever it was called getting a poor rating isn't enough for that car to drive over Scully. That makes no sense. She yeah. has a, a, a the car has a more subtle form of torture where it just creeps her out. Apparently, yeah, I, I don't it, know. It will. I don't know because like she rates it at the end of it. It's just like, wah, 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 and then she well, gets but, out. All right, if the underlying premise of the episode, if the underlying thematic premise of this episode is that our negative interactions with technology will someday come back to haunt us, yep. What is the negative interaction? What's the big crime here? Like, Mulder got a thing he didn't like and didn't leave a tip. Yep. That's... He didn't the, berate the thing. The the only... The, what we're, what you're realizing right now, Bo, is that these writers, at some point before starting their career as writers, probably worked in the service industry and probably never got tipped. And they thought, you know, what would be really funny... We're going to write this little thing into this episode that basically stands for the allegory of this episode is always tip your waiter. That's literally yeah, the joke. All right. That's the part. No, you're, you're right. Why am I looking for me? Well, the, the, the episode begs to be mined for all its, its genius, Duncan. Of course it it's does, so fucking smart. It's and such a, such a fucking clever episode, Bo. I don't know if you, you understand technology, but we understand technology. We think, um, and we're so clever with it, and we're going to play with it, and we're going to we're going to socially connect it into the consciousness of people in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen by you know 
mocking things that we use all like no one talks at the dinner table anymore it's just to see people looking at their phones in silence clicking buttons without making eye contact and and no one's going to talk to you know you don't interact with each other driving back to places now because everyone can book uber and you don't have to speak to the driver if you don't want it's a silent world where technology doesn't yeah it's just right we get it we get it what's your point though what's your what, right what are you, are you doing here? with that that yeah, you're like, yes, we all acknowledge that technology has become ubiquitous to a point of being a problem. Yes. What, it, what is what is the further comment you're making about this? Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's like, right, 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 we get that, and that's because this is what I right. write throughout the whole episode. I'm just asking, and question mark, and the episode doesn't really. It's like, yeah, but but this is also doing the same, and I'm like, yeah, no, isn't that weird, right? And then it's like, you know what else is it? Drones, and I'm like, right, right, we're just literally showing the same example over and over again just in different technologies as opposed to talking about what the next escalation point is right we you know uh, de-escalate it we don't get that it's just like and this and this and this (laughs) it's like someone bringing a cake trolley over the table and saying here is a scone here is a cupcake here's a slice of apple and walnut loaf they're all ostensibly cakes you're just showing that me is. the same thing over and over again in a slightly different package. That's all you're showing me. You're making the, there's no there's no build on that. There's no there's no like well you know this you know here's something that we did with this. But by the way, if we do this and this and this, it could be this. We don't get that. It's just the same thing. It is literally a and then and then and then and this and this and this episode. It is it is. A conveyor belt of of shite um, that just literally just keeps bringing more shit. It's the sushi conveyor belt of shite, right? That goes and works its way around. And every delicacy that you lift over the plastic thing to look at is just another steaming shite on a plate. And then it goes around and then there's another. That's literally what this episode is. And like you, I, 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 as soon as I as soon as I gauged it. Or oh, is this about I'm not tipping the machines and the machines are going to come for them? From that point, I'm like, right, you either go goofy as fuck with it, I mm-hmm. kind of get behind that, or you rectify this right now by ha- having them pay the tip, but then there's something there's some something happening and we start investigating that. And this episode chooses neither. Or have him have him leave a tip, but leave a nasty message, because yeah. that's kind of the whole point of the opening uh-huh. is that it was people saying terrible things that made the AI terrible. Yeah, racist things, racist comments, hashtags that are horrible. Literally, what Mulder has chose to do is not pay extra. He didn't steal; paid for his meal. Right. He's just not paying extra, and that's yeah, the to, crime oh, here. To a robot that doesn't need the money to take Mary Sue out to the movies later, it's a robot. It just sits around doing robot shit. It doesn't even have pockets, Duncan. Where's it going to keep the money? <laughs> so I've got two, two, two payments left on that mortgage, Zobo. Um, it's just, I mean, yeah, it's just fucking. All right. So. Scully gets home finally. Yes, and 
the house the house alarm goes off. She hits the code. Uh, it doesn't stop the alarm. She has to call the company. And uh, side note, her password is Queequeg, which is the dog that got eaten by a swamp monster yep. in a season three episode. Uh, so uh, uh, that's something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was and that a great her, moment? by any chance? Probably. Yeah, I, I mean, let's take the good stuff where we can because there's only like three things that are worth a shit in this episode. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, at, at this point here, Scully's a smart woman, Bo. She's a fucking scientist, doctor. She investigated shit like that. There have been four instances of her having to deal with technology and they've all went wrong, yet she just continues to use technology in this episode. Oh, we haven't gotten to how stupid Scully gets in this episode. Oh, she's the, yeah, she's like insanely stupid in this episode. Wait, but so is Mulder. Which, like, Mulder is like... They both are. Yeah, it's like, let's Mulder, dumb down our favorite characters who are experts in conspiracy. Let's dumb them down and let's make technology smart. So they're uh, the other, one of the other of three good things that happens in this episode is we cut to Mulder at home and he's watching the opening credits, uh, to the $6 million man. Yep. And those credits are awesome. Yep. But as remember, how was he enhanced Bo? with technology? That's right. He was bionic. So technology should improve. You should make you better. Can build them stronger. Because that's, you know, that's how we see technology. As people here, we're building things to make life easier, to make things better and all the rest, because we're smart, and that's why we're doing the $6 million man in this. But isn't it funny, because it's juxtaposed against all this technology that should be helping them, but isn't. It's really, really clever. Really clever. <sighs> well fucking played, X-Files. Well played. Hey, anytime I get to see Lee, Marger, Lee yeah. Majors on a screen, yeah, yeah, I'm a happy guy. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. But the, it's, not, it's not a coincidence that you know this is oh, playing, of course. you know innocently this is because they're trying to be they're trying to be cute and smart oh of course because as we pointed out this is the smartest episode of the x-files that ever was yeah self-righteousness is in the house smug self-righteousness <laughs> has third billing in this episode oh fuck you he's all right get, so he's gonna get an emmy for his performance both golden globe <laughs> You can see him all the way up in his ivory tower. Uh, so the cable goes out because Skynet is now on to Mulder enjoying himself on his couch. And Skynet's like, you know, fuck you. And and Welcome has little right, scotch. That, that's made me very happy. I, I felt it was appropriate. And uh, it's not Scottish, actually. It's just Mike Myers. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, I hate you, Bo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and Mulder uh, peeks out the window and sees a drone, uh, uh, one of them flying drones with a camera on it, hovering outside, and uh decides that he's had enough god damn it <laughs> quit looking at my window god damn it bunch of orphans and rascals um <laughs> the drones are saying good it's a hard not life for right us. 
doing a little like flying dance. <laughs> Turn off all that music, goddammit. Are you trying to country songs now playing in both Mulder's house and Scully's house? Oh right, Teach the Children is playing. Well, Mulder. Uh... All right, so he's trying to call uh, the credit card company. Yeah. And and get his card canceled, and Skynet has taken over his phone like a fucking body snatcher. <laughs> How did you know my name? <laughs> yeah. How did she know who I was? Uh, he has to put his name in, and he angri- angrily says Fox Mulder, and later on in the episode, he gets a remix version of it. It's like, Fox yeah, Mulder, Fox Mulder, Fox Mulder. Fox Mulder. <laughs> and. <laughs> Also, we 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 get a shot of Scully at her place, and she has uh, this hair cream treatment stuff she uses. Yeah, and she's out, and she tosses it in the trash, and immediately gets a ding on her phone. That's like, hey, we know we noticed you're out of this. Would you like to order some more? And she's like, what the? Yeah. That seems peculiar, <laughs> but no reason for alarm, I suppose. And it's so stupid. Hey, all right, so Mulder uh, gets hung up on a bunch by the credit card company, sees another drone outside the window, grabs a baseball bat, goes outside, and just tags this drone, kills it to death. <laughs> and while he's doing that, Scully has a drone of her own showing up at her place, only this one's delivering a package to her. Yep. And my note here is, at this point, given the history of the X-Files at large, why are they not individually saying, hey, technology seems to have gone all (laughs) higgledy-piggledy, and we should check this shit out. Yeah, I'm noticing, what what was it called that again? A pattern. (laughs) A pattern of suspicious behavior, which warrants investigation. Um as a huh, I just had the worst luck tonight, goddammit. <laughs> as a hyper-vigilant FBI agent that deals in the bizarre, the weird, and the strange, maybe um, I'm putting two and two together here and getting four. But no. No, because no. 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 Not no. even when another drone shows up at Mulder's joint to take away the broken body of its drone brother <laughs> fallen in battle. Hey, we don't leave anyone behind, Bo. <laughs> don't leave anyone behind. And Mulder just goes inside and sits the fuck down like nothing weird just happened. <laughs> like, when have drones become literal drones? Yep. And it's... It's so frustratingly dumb it's fucking everyone stupid <laughs> every everyone is dumber for having seen this episode <laughs> i awarded no points <laughs> may god have mercy on its soul <laughs> and all right so speaking of stupid scully gets a package and it's like a, a roomba except it's got <sighs> this fancy led on it and instead of saying, 
hey, I never ordered this. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in such a thing. Mm-hmm. And also, weird technology stuff has been happening mm-hmm. all over the place tonight. I wonder what I should do with this thing. Oh, I know. Turn it on and set it loose in my house. <laughs> Give it free reign. Right. And I like I even wrote down, why is she doing this? Yeah, it doesn't Well like it like as soon as she turns it on, the little LED just is like mapping your home. Yeah. And that is not what you want out of your robots. Yeah. <laughs> Deactivating your panic room. Um. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Disabling your phones. Like, oh, good, good. Are you going to clean that mess up, too? Yeah. Removing hidden gun under bed. (laughs) Owner's vulnerability, 100%. Oh, and of course, it kicks out her vibrator from under the bed when it goes under there. Yeah. And sends up a little, because we're so fucking funny and smart in this episode. And and she gets a little message saying, hey, there are new colors available in this personal massager you like. Yes. And that's going to come back later, but it shouldn't. No, because it's a funny gag, because it's about (laughs) sex, bro. It's about embarrassing sex toys we have. (laughs) It's about the shameful, shameful vagina. Which is the name of my new kids' book coming out next fall. <laughs> Published by the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> Just send a child's tears to Dunboco. Yes, it's the shameful, the shameful vagina and the harmful hymen. Um, the series of books uh, coming from. I oh man, I like the one where they go to the circus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just a scene where twelve clowns crawl out a vagina. Oh my goodness, <laughs> sir. <laughs> That doesn't sound like a children's book at all. Yeah. Uh, That's why why we're publishing them both and no one else. Penguin isn't publishing them, right? No, certainly not. Uh, (laughs) I keep trying to make a wrinkle joke and then it never goes right and then I feel bad about it. So I'm going to... I'm just going to lay that out there and let it sit. Um... Oh yeah, so this this so, fucking yeah right. So, like her so her magic joke. Roomba, right? We we have a vibrator joke, and then she gets a pop up, and it's like, hey, how would you rate this Roomba that you didn't order and are unconcerned about? Yep. And she just, just kind of swipes it away, doesn't acknowledge it, and then the Roomba big bangs against her foot again because everything in this show is a Johnny Five. Yeah, you know, Johnny Five is alive. <laughs> Oh no, don't <laughs> Oh, that's a that's a regretful performance. Um who? On who? Fisher Stevens. Oh, of course movie. it is. Of course. <laughs> like is he the prototype of poo? Is a short like short yeah. circuit? Yeah, must be. Must yeah. be. Yeah. Uh so while she Someone Scully jumps on the back to fucking take out that performance. Oh, I know. 
Fisher Stevens, come with me. <laughs> it's like knocking on the door. Fisher Stevens, yes. The gun comes out. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, I guess it'd be like they would go after Fisher Stevens' mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Stevens, yes. <laughs> the Mrs. Stevens who will eventually have a slightly a baby that gives a slightly racist performance. Yes. Will be known as the plague and hackers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who will leave everyone's head scratching when he dates Michelle Pfeiffer for a while? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we will play an annoying psychiatrist and friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's really got her son's life mapped out, her unborn child's life mapped out for him. Uh, no one, no one ever blamed uh, Mrs. Stevens for uh, being unprepared. Yeah, she had a uh, <laughs> So. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, uh, Scully is trying to return this stupid Roomba. And the the whole music is teacher children. Yeah. Yet again, it's like, would you fucking stop? And so then it starts playing it on her home system. And uh, uh, we got many drones starting to scoot around Mulder's apartment, creeping in like little krites. Yes. Krites. Just kind of chilling. Like the drones just come in and... And I swear to God, I think they they believe they're doing a bit of a bird's takeoff here. Yeah. <laughs> Where Mulder turns around and is like, what? A bunch of drones, goddammit. <laughs> and. Hello. My name is Alfred Hitchcock, and I invite you to see my new movie. It's called Rumors Go Niners It's about an FBI agent. That's not terrible. <laughs> It is, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I'm stick with that guy. I'm too far. I'm I don't. Cool. I can't, I can't. Yeah. You. Oh no no. You don't pull up now. You. You write this right into the cliff. <laughs> an unsuspecting FBI agent who finds himself trapped in a room with many technological flying devices. It will thoroughly scare you. I'm just trying to think who it might sound like at this point. <laughs> I have a huge list of I have a huge list of who it doesn't sound like any person walking this planet. <laughs> any human being alive or dead is really who we're missing there. If we could somehow find our way into maybe that category. This movie is absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't do a better one. I'm not. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to shit talk too much. But yeah, it's like a kind of the, the birds. It is also once again I mentioned it earlier on, but it does have a kind of batteries not included sort of vibe. 
kind of kick it does, your yeah. kind of ambling sort of 80s vibe kind of permeating in the background. And yeah, they're all just kind of floating there. And you know, Mulder should be a bit more alarmed than he actually is at this point. Well, this does actually drive him from his home, at least, which none of the other shit had done. And this, to me, is a very minor escalation. Yes. In in terms of what he's been seeing. And meanwhile, Scully is having the real maximum overdrive. Like, this is the point where her refrigerator starts shooting <coughs> ice cubes at her. Yeah. And I'm just like, dun, 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 dun. Who made who, motherfucker? Uh, Satellite! (laughs) Who turned the screw? Uh, (laughs) So what? If you made them and they made you... Uh, anyway. So she's getting uh, ice cubes. Her fucking... Her smart right. is telling her that Skinner's birthday's coming up and she needs to pick up a cake. Um, Which is p- potentially a reference to Portal and GLaDOS. Yeah. Uh, which is the smart AI and the cake is a lie and all that stuff. But, which is, what, once uh, again, yep. Which is way smarter than this. Way smarter Any than of, this. Um, you play that Portal 2 game, you're in for a good story. And this, Unlike this. Yeah, this has not got that. And meanwhile, it's all uh, everything's starting to escalate. And then it gets it gets a little bit tricky. So that maybe you're hot. Uh, maybe you're cold. Let me put on the fire. So the fire automatically starts. And I'm like, I know smart tech. And I don't think there's any smart tech that starts a fire in your house. Because that seems dangerous, Bo. Or just turns on the gas. Yes. Like, here's the other problem I have. Is it starts a fire, somehow snuffs the fire, but keeps the gas on. Yep. Because Skynet is way smarter than this script. Yep. And and Mulder shows up after, uh, you know, being trailed by a bunch of mini drones. Yep. Uh, at her place, and he can't get in. She's like, "I'm locked inside," and he's like, well, "Get back, goddammit!" And he's, you know, gonna break the glass, and then the house explodes, and because of the gas, and then they flee into the night. Yeah, uh, a la Griffin Dunn and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking Skynet, like, Skynet is not only nefarious, insidious, but it's also greedy. Like, really greedy, because it wanted its clothes, the boots, and the motorcycle. Greedy Skynet. Well, (laughs) Super greedy. Like, yeah, like, Scully's house had, like, a a bomb as, there was a fucking bomb for a few seconds. (laughs) This place was Armageddon. There was a fire yeah. fight. <laughs> well, you have to love it a little. This whole fucking thing. So yeah, there's a. <laughs> so like, so yeah, like Scully's house has got fucking severe damage. Doesn't seem bothered, and we're not going to return to either. Well, so, 
Yeah, I mean, who cares? Because nothing matters and there are no stakes. Yep. So <laughs> we we have to get from her place to the neighbors. Yep. And they're trying to call the fire department. They, Of course, Skynet has turned off their phones. And the neighbor has one of those video monitoring things set, uh, set up where you stand on the porch and it like the buzzer is a video camera that lets them know who it is outside. Yeah. And Skynet fucking hackers into the phone, Duncan, and makes them disappear like the net or something. <laughs> like uh, the net or something or any 90s version of technology and computers. That That is one of the most frustrating things about this episode is how how dated the view of technology seems. Yeah, there's... Yeah, this is what I'm saying. It feels like someone in 1992 writing an episode set in 2018. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what it feels like. It feels like... I understand technology is moving very, very quick and it's it's constantly evolving and the technological advances are, are happening so quick that as consumers, we can't keep up with it. You know, it's just moving too quick for us to comprehend what's happening right right but that doesn't too smart yeah too much coming out yeah there is. but that but by that default though it means that if you're writing and it feels like it's it actually feels like this episode has been written for old people and not written for like i what would i would have imagined being an x-files crowd um even as someone that's grown up watching it, you know, I wasn't necessarily, when I watched it first time round, uh, I was slightly too young for the age group that it was aiming for and certainly grew up with the show. But I think that even if you're watching it then, you have a good idea. If you're interested in this show, you're not like some fucking backwards yokel. You understand technology. Um, and this this episode almost feels like, you said it earlier, it feels like, it's like an old man's view of the of technology, which is fine if our characters were that way inclined, but they're not. We know that they're kind of tech savvy. We know that they're you know they question the world and they're you know there, there's a thirst for knowledge there with both these characters. That's what doesn't marry up. You know, if this was this is a standalone episode about. Wilford Brimley the cop, then yeah, I'm 100% down with it because it's an old man's view of the world. But it doesn't make sense. Right. So the, the more they keep adding to this, the sillier it gets. And the, the very narrow view that it has of, unlike a black mirror, which hypothesizes potential risks grounded in reality with technology and how we use it and how we will use it, this is trying to do that but taking a very 90s approach to how technology is portrayed on the screen. Um, and as such, it fails. <laughs> it fails horribly. Um, I couldn't agree more, Duncan. And let's get to some more dumb shit. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we, we have to still reach Skynet or the large industrial area at the end of Terminator. Oh, before we do that. We gotta we gotta get rid of all our phones and technological devices. And Scully, (laughs) for some fucking reason, decided to pocket her vibrator and has been carrying it with her all this time. Yep. 
That's real stupid, Duncan. Is it really, though? Uh, or is it, is it like the classic line of uh, a Cypress Hill song? Uh, when the shit goes down, Bo, you better get ready. <laughs> well played. Uh, you know, when, when you're talking about be real, uh, laying it down, I'm not sure I can argue with that. That's right. Like, she's sitting there saying, my house is about to explode. I can take two things with me. I'm taking my phone and my vibrator. Uh, was that also one sticky fingers? Yeah. Was he in? Uh, so we're still talking about, well? I thought you. I thought you knew the brand of vibrator. <laughs> no, <laughs> Sticky Fingers, not a terrible vibrator name. But I mean, yeah, I mean that's the only reason why you would take it. If she was like, well, at some point I may, you know, t- take the little man in the boat for a ride. Yeah, double click the mouse. Uh, <laughs> right, Miss House. Um, double clicking on my Miss House, Duncan. That's what I do. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I love Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, so I, it doesn't make sense for her to have this vibrator along for the ride because if I had a device, it would be like me taking a, a fucking fleshlight <laughs> with me. If I was like, look, it's all clean. I mean, this thing is good to go and. I mean, all this weird shit's happening around me. Who knows when I might get a boner yeah. and need to throw my dick into a, a piece of plastic. Bust a nut. Yeah, she's, uh-huh. yeah, she's just I've, thinking to herself that there may come an occasion. Also, <laughs> why is Scully buying the Johnny Five vibrator? I don't know. Why isn't she? It's just... It, it's for it's all because of a joke. It's all because the the people writing this script thought they were so fucking smart yep. and want to drop this little joke in. It doesn't mean anything. It's not consistent with the character. It's not funny. It, it, it it's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. It's, First and foremost, it's not funny. Um, it's just infuriating. Yeah, and, yeah, like yeah, it's like you say. It's just totally. It doesn't make sense. And you know, as much as I, as much as this is not how I see. Scully as a character is how I see Gillian Anderson. Yeah, I want to think about that happening all the time. Uh, but, you know, as Scully as a character, it's not like I don't imagine Scully has many occasions to do the old Kit Kat shuffle. You know what I mean? She's not. <laughs> the old Kit Kat yep, shuffle. All four fingers. I could go for uh, a Kit Kat. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not, just, just, it doesn't. It is. And it's like you say, it's like yeah. they've set up the idea. This they set up this. Oh, Scully's got. A, isn't this awkward? She's got a vibrator, and then they're like, you know, oh, isn't that awkward? She took it with her. And I'm like, no, it's dumb. But it's more of that old man attitude of like, look how naughty this is. It's like it's a vibrator. It. I mean, of course she has one because she's a grown single woman. Yeah, and look at her. or not even single, just a grown woman. Yeah. And and also she would never carry it with her because. If it was under the bed, first of all, it wouldn't be under the bed. It'd be in the drawer beside yeah, the bed. But, yeah. <laughs> but, because, I mean. She's going to get dirty on It's bed. a different kind. Of, right. It's a different kind of fur that you want on that thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, Amen, brother. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Preach. Hashtag feminism. Um, hashtag Mulder. So, um, hashtag, hashtag Mulder, too. Yeah. Um, so they ditched that stuff because 
uh, Mulder has a cyber criminalist question mark. Uh, Whatever the fuck that is. I assume it's someone who really likes uh, Philip K. Dick novels uh, that he's going to go to. And then we see drones come through and pick up all the uh, electronic stuff that they tossed out, presumably including the vibrator. Yeah. Oh, I guess not, because we learn that later. Yeah. Um, and then they break into, I assume, jet propulsion laboratories. So, yeah, so the, uh, it's fucking dumb. Yeah, so the, where they are then pursued by robot dogs. Yeah, because yeah, because they break into it. Well, it's like that. It's, these robot dogs are usually shown. What's that? It's the Boston. What's the name of the Boston? Is it the Boston School? Boston Dynamics, the, something like yeah, that. Yeah, where you see all these things, they develop all these robots that open doors, or dogs carry things, and all the rest, and are, that you can push over, and they get back up. Yeah, and all, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so so these things are in here, but this is just like. So this is just like once again. So we're going to break. We're going to break into this warehouse, and this warehouse is going to be completely populated and staffed with robots. Yeah, why not? Yeah, because robots. But are, what do these robots do? But this is they're taking other they're, than your walk job, around Bo, as warehouse worker. They're but taking your jobs, Bo. There, there is a real air of just being a luddite. Yeah. In this episode, and this is one of those moments where I'm like, this doesn't say anything about the presumed theme of the episode, mm-hmm. which is that we are a bad influence on the technology we use. Yep. This is just robot dogs attacking them. Yep. Which is fine. And in an episode, if that's what the episode's about, but that's not what the writers think this episode's about. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, of of course, of course. So let's just fucking barrel our way through the rest. Of this yeah, there's not there's not long left, ladies and gents. Uh, we 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 have yeah, like, a couple of minutes to discuss, and then we're done. All right. So here's some dumb shit that we'll recap quickly. Uh-huh. So there's a 3D printer that makes bullets that shoot for no good reason. Which is not possible, but that, well, that's not how bullets work. But we'll let them off. All right, so then they're cornered by a giant robot that is a real shitty, like, Maximilian from the Black Hole. Yeah. <laughs> because it has a face. It has, like, a little, like, electronic squiggly mouth. And again, I'm like, why does this thing have a face? I, I don't what? know. To show anger. It, <laughs> I don't. Because the red lights weren't just... enough, though. <laughs> oh. But this robot has I mean, Mulder's phone. Right. And it just... I, I'm sorry. I'm like... I'm literally head in hand. <laughs> just furious at how stupid this episode is. And, yeah, so it hands him back his phone. Mm-hmm. And there's another prompt for the fucking tip from the sushi place. Yep. And, and it, a countdown it, timer this time. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, if on the count of 10 you don't tip, then we're this giant shitty robot is going to bang both of you in the head or something. Yeah. And like, like the, the most cliche thing in an action movie where they defuse a bomb right on the last second. That's when Mulder pays the tip. 
because all this tension that's been built up, Bo, I don't know if you realise this, all the world stakes that were built up here, all this, you know, like, that, you know, everything's going to go wrong, technology's going to destroy the world, all the rest is going to be solved by Mulder paying the tip that he should have paid at the start, because that's the joke that this episode is built on, is technology's hunting them down because they refuse to pay that tip, um, and he does it at the very last second, and it's like, Hooray, well done. And then the robot's lights turn green because it's now friendly robot. His smiley face comes on and it's all happy. And yeah, technology's no longer trying to kill Mulder and Scully. Woo! Yeah. And <sighs> so Mulder then says that to Scully, we have to be better teachers. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I can't even dunk it. Yep. I'm all right. So that that's the point where I wrote the words, the four words. Fuck you, this show. <laughs> and that's not it because we've got to. You did like just the Terminator. Keep... You know how he goes, "Fuck you, asshole," because he searches for all the responses. <laughs> did you? <laughs> Right, yeah, I got through like, I'm done, no, not, that's not harsh enough, forget this, no, not vulgar enough, fuck you, fuck this, you show. this show, <laughs> uh, but really, this show could just go fuck itself right in the bottom. So we end with a little tag scene where they're at a more rustic Norman Rockwell kind of diner. Surrounded by people, Bo, and being served goddamn American food by American waitresses. Getting a piece of American goddamn pie from a goddamn American. America, fuck yeah. Um, just so <laughs> stupid. And, and uh, but they've got their phones back, and then that's where we get this little line about... Oh, well, I almost got everything back. Tee-hee. Not the thing that I used to flick my bean with, if you know what I'm saying, everyone. Well, it's like, I get it, goddammit. We don't talk about that. We're all children who don't acknowledge our bodies. Goddammit. And just everything about this episode feels like an old man. Yeah. And, and, And so... Uh, the show ends with them starting to drift apart again and, and look at their phones and then, uh, Mulder who has his hand on an analog check, yes, like a, you know, a handwritten check from a waitress and Scully puts her hand on his and it's like, well, this is what's real and authentic and go fuck yourself because you didn't say anything interesting or new about any of this. And we're incredibly stupid and regressive along the way. Yeah. I'm close. I hate this episode. <laughs> this is this is, in my mind, the worst episode of this season for how stupid it is. I will second that. I will second that a hundred percent. This I told you this episode finished and I spent twenty minutes listening to music trying to calm myself down. Try to talk myself off a rage cliff. Right? Um it is badly written. It has aspirations of being so clever and so witty 
but none of the tools capable of making itself that. Um, it takes characters, once again, characters that I love and makes them essentially idiots. Um, it tries to have the moral high ground, uh, but doesn't know how to get there. Um, and it's just a fundamentally dumb, dumb idea because this should be a fun, quirky episode that you embrace the goofiness of it and, you know, you, st- you steer into the storm with this one. This one doesn't do that. This one, like, like I said, its biggest crime is that it has no... It, has no idea of what has an idea of what it wants to say, doesn't know how to do it, and basically it's a way of showing you what his idea is is to basically hold the same. It's like me saying to you, like holding a picture up in front of you and saying, "What's this?" and the picture, and you've never seen what's in this picture before, so you go, "Well, I don't know." So then I put it down and I lift another picture up, which has the same object in it, but just with a different background. And you're like, well, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, all right. And then I lift up another picture with the same object and a different background. And then I just keep doing that. And that's what this episode is. It just keeps the same. It, it, it yeah. has no, has it, there is no message to this episode at all. It is, it is dumb to the point of, it's dumb to the point of being offensive, actually. I was going to say almost being offensive, but it's offensively dumb. Um, and, I hate the fact that the 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 message of this episode, after having that really poignant opening about how this you know how this artificial intelligence could be corrupted, just by the the horrible side of what people do online, you know the anonymity we have to just say horrible things to people with no repercussion, you know. Um, and the way the X-Files interprets that is if you don't tip a robot, it'll try and kill you. That's literally the way the X-Files attempts to tackle that subject matter. And I think it highlights all the things I hate about this season of the X-Files. Seven episodes in, I I like two episodes and five of them, I think, are all various different degrees of fucking awful. And this one is the king of awful. This is awful Rex. It is just, you know, as Maximus Decimus fucking awfulness. It is, it is the epitome <laughs> of everything I do not want to see in an X-Files episode. This, to me, is... Well, you you were talking about earlier on sci-fi movies just becoming dumb action movies nowadays. That's the way we do sci-fi. Um, the X Files is trying to do sci-fi by not understanding what technology is and taking a very old position on it, which is long since outdated and you know long since changed in the way we make films we tell stories we we interact with technology in tv shows and it's it's just it's fucking awful you know i mean that i i think this episode it is criminally bad i think people at shambling hamlin needs fucking locked up 
do not put a pen or a typewriter or a, a laptop near that person and get her to write something again because on the strength of this episode she feel fucking ashamed of herself another one Glenn Morgan I'm sorry buddy like you obviously I don't even know if you tried to do something here um, with what you were given but you were given a dud fucking script and I expect better from you as well. You should hang your head in shame. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a, it's just so bad. I, I honestly thought your message, I was like, that. Oh, how bad can it actually be? Because I've seen some bad in this season. And yeah, this is the worst. Well, I'm glad that we could uh, harmoniously agree on the crapitude of... <laughs> crapitude. Episode seven of season eleven. That'll uh, that'll put a bow on that uh, piece of garbage. Three episodes Ugh, left, Duncan. Three episodes. Three left. episodes to go, and then we get a little time off. Yeah. And then we'll we then we'll deal to... with a science fiction show that actually deals with robots that have sentience, using their AI, and that are trying to kill people, but understands. The complexities that are involved with AI and humanity, and can do it well. Oh, you must be talking about Duncan and go to uh, Duncan and Bo go to Westworld coming soon. Yes, I love how you're staying on brand. Thank you. <laughs> um, Duncan, that was a real mess of a, a an episode. But if people would like to hear you talk about stuff that maybe isn't so messy. Uh-huh. Uh, where can they do such a thing in a way that's legal? <laughs> uh, they can check me out on a little show called Podcast Under the Stairs. It can be found on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash uh, grips forward slash tputzcast. Website tputzcast.com. It's on iTunes. as a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. And the last week we've put out Bazzi's graduation episode where they tackle Creep Show 1 and 2 incredibly funny episode i highly recommend you all check that out uh, i also put an episode recently with ricky morgan where we did some zombie movies italian zombie movies worth checking out as well and the most recent episode that dropped uh, covered uh, my time at fright fest which i spoke about at the beginning of this episode and probably before this episode goes live there will be another movie club episode uh, that drops with another versus series so keep your eyes peeled for that one Duncan, that sounds crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my default now. If I'm not listening to someone, it's just a knee jerk say that their idea is insane. Yep, that's better than what you used to say, which is Duncan, sit down, sit down and shut up, you ignorant slut. That's what I used to get yeah. from you. So, Duncan, you ignorant. That's slut. what I used to um, get. So at least for at least for slightly less offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, softening around the edges, Duncan. No, uh, no pebble resists the stream forever. Um, if you want to check out uh, more of uh, my work, you can head over to legionpodcasts.com where you can find such shows as uh, The Shotcast about video games and Horror Hangover about hangovers. Uh, no, it's actually about... Uh, horror, like deep dives on obscure horror films. But hey, here's what I want to point out. I'm not going to waste a bunch of time promoting myself. Uh, hey, if you go over to the legionpodcasts.com website now, 
uh, we put a handy dandy new search button on there, which we didn't have before, stupidly. And uh, so that's there. Also, there's a link uh, where uh, right on the front page where you can go to our uh, our Teespring page is who we're doing this through and get uh, there. We have a hoodie and some T-shirts and a coffee mug with the old Legion logo on there. Uh, so if you want to support the shows that you're hearing on the network, uh, that's a great way to do it because I promise you uh, every every damn dime of that is going to go towards uh, a lot of special projects that we've got coming up so um yeah i would appreciate if you did and thank you for listening to all those shows um that's all i got duncan anything any any final words of wisdom out of you just uh once again thank you for joining us on this journey um it has not been as much fun uh, no it has been it's a ton of fun but it's not been fun in watching these episodes as it has been some of the other tv shows that we're doing but you can be safe and secure in the knowledge that even if the episodes are awful, and even though both Bo and myself, I can say comfortably speaking for yourself, would have abandoned the show episodes ago, uh, if we were not doing this, we genuinely have a blast recording these and putting them out. And uh, it takes mere seconds for you to jump on iTunes and leave us a little review. Um, and there are people checking out this, Bo, I got tagged um, by it was uh, JB Billington, I think was the guy's name on Twitter, saying that he is one of the ones out there that is watching episode to episode along with this show. So people are still doing it. Um, much to my God bless yeah, you. Yeah, you, you are the tripper, sir. Not us. We, we would sit and chat about anything anyway you're the trooper for going through this journey with us and uh yeah um leave us some love on the old uh the old apple podcasts uh it takes seconds to do and it means the world to us it lets us know that you're enjoying what we're doing as well and um yeah i look forward to speaking to you all next week for the third last episode episode eight where maybe 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 someone will pass the peas and maybe uh, on the off chance, we we might start tying this whole fucking show back together. I don't think it's possible. Um, and I've resigned myself to the fact that whatever the reveal is at the end is going to be dumber than a bag of dead kittens. So, yeah, we're here for the long haul, ladies and gents. Three left. Three left to go. Uh, and I look forward to speaking to you all next week. Yep, you're right, Duncan. Ain't nothing dumber than that. And this show really sucks. <laughs> We'll be back in a week to talk about the next episode of Duncan and Vo. Go to the X Files. Say goodnight, Duncan. Good night, Duncan. Bye.